带的。y'all to a brand new episode of phoenix down this is phoenix down episode number 63.0 and we are starting a new series uh finished up uh, mario and luigi bowser's inside story and now we are moving on to a brand new game that just came out last week uh, which is not unprecedented we have done this before um with a few games i think dragon age inquisition was one of them uh but yeah we're going to be playing through uh a game that we've talked about before, or at least the series, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony is the full title of it. Um, and today I have with me, as usual, Matt. Hello, friends. And the guy who has joined us for all the Danganronpa games, uh, Jay. I'm back, bitches! That's right. <laughs> it's been a while. It I haven't has. been on Phoenix Down for a bit. When was the last time I was here? I don't remember. Danganronpa the anime. Yeah, yeah, we had that intermission show, right? Well, it was... Yeah. We did... Was it just one episode that we covered that? Oh. I'm pretty sure it was one. Yeah. I don't think we did uh, multiple episodes for that, but uh, yeah. But uh, Danganronpa is something that... Um, I don't know. I feel kind of responsible for introducing it to you guys, like, personally. Yeah. So I'll, I, I want to yep. yep. carry this all the way to the end, you know, just whatever entry that comes out. And I have a good time, and uh, it's a lot of work, but all these pages of notes that I'm taking to make sure that the listeners can follow along. But uh, it's worth it. I have a lot of fun doing it. So here I am again. Yeah. I'm a little spoiled now, though. Actually, it, while I was playing this, I was like, man, I wish I could see an anime of this, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, this is kind of strange for me because uh, – well, obviously, our history with the game is, is kind of weird because it's brand new. Now, Jay, you have played through this entire game, right? Yes, I have played. I reviewed. And um, I actually played a little bit of it again after getting, like, all the skills. Because there are some things that, um, as you as you guys know, you know, having you know not going ahead of ourselves. But after you finish certain things, you get certain information. I kind of wanted to go back and see if I want, you know, see if there were hints. You know, foreshadowing and things that I might have missed that kind of uh, told me what was going to happen. And there's a lot of that in this game in particular. Right. So I did actually go back and play the first trial uh, again, just just for the just for the just for that particular reason. So yeah, right. So uh, originally, uh, I, obviously, I knew this game was coming out well over a year ago. In fact, I think they showed it with the PlayStation Experience. I think so. It was around November 2016 that they announced the release date of September. So it was a long time ago, yeah. Um, and I remember talking with you, Jay, about the game back then. 
Mm-hmm. And you said that the director said that this was not, this was a whole new story. It was not going to be connected with the first three stories, I should say. Right. That doesn't seem to be the case here. I, we haven't, okay. fin- we haven't finished it yet, but there has been multiple mentions of the previous games. But, so- uh, Go ahead. Matt. I was just going to say my my one thought there was that it it really means just Junko is not involved, right? Uh, uh, that could that could be it. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say anything definitively that might ruin anything. But yeah. I think the way you can interpret what the director was saying is that there's uh, thematically speaking, all of Danganronpa has been about the battle between hope and despair, right? Yeah. And as you're playing through this game. Um, have you noticed them talk a lot about hope and despair? Not much about hope, but I see a lot of despair talking. Well, there's a lot of despair because the situation that they're in is, you know, despair-inducing, right? Yeah. But it's not about that central uh, battle between hope and despair like it was before. Nor does it take place uh, in the Hope Speak Academy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to say it's not related to the first one because they certainly are still talking about despair. There's certainly Monokuma. The setup right, right. is is very similar. So, yeah, it, it depends where you draw that line, I guess. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. like, the opening intro, they showed, like, the events, basically, like, you know, clips of the first three or the first two games and then also parts of the anime, you know, and it showed the logo of each one and... And it says the story continues, and then it's Danganronpa V3, which I find a little bit confusing. Why why, <laughs> why would they call it V3 if there was technically a third game? It was just the anime. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, canonically speaking, uh, the v, uh, the 3 was an anime. It wasn't a game, right? Yeah. So this is the game that you can play. This is the third video game of this main line that you can physically play. So I think that's why this, this decided to go. And then because, you know, uh, you know, to make sure that they don't have any confusion between, or they don't have as much confusion with Danganronpa 3, uh, Hope's Peak End, uh, with Danganronpa V3, that's why they added the V as well in there. You know, yeah. kind of saying, uh, as, uh, as saying that it's a version, it's a version 3, it's, uh, the, you know, the third one of this kind of deal. But I, I do agree, it is a little confusing. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't it have been more clear just to call it, like, Danganronpa Killing Harmony Part 1? Maybe, but that would also make the assumption that this would be a multiple-part game. Maybe the story of this series of characters end here, or maybe they continue on for multiple games. So I don't think the thing about that we what we know about this director Kodaka is that he likes messing with people's expectations, right? Yeah. That's that's what we've learned from basically everything that he's ever done. Because playing through Danganronpa two, we learned that everything that we learned and uh, we learned and expected from Danganronpa one and saw the similarities. The director also knew that we caught on to those information. And because of that, he used that, that kind of stuff against us to kind of twist their expectations and then go another different way, an unexpected way that we didn't see coming. So you can see that he has a he has a he has a you know kind of a trend of doing that. So you can expect the same in the V three. Yeah, interesting. So um, I guess we can uh, just jump right on into the beginning parts of this game. Okay. Um, it starts a lot like how the other games begin, um, not knowing exactly where we are or how we got there. Um, well, you know what? Should we 
Should we do the characters first? Um, we'll do the beginning section, like the way, way, way beginning section, because yeah. I think there's some really interesting things that happen. Mm-hmm. Because not only do we not know, because uh, we are, you know, in the perspective of Kaede, right? Mm-hmm. This uh, high school girl. But um, we noticed that contrary to, like, the box art and the character art that we're used to, they're dressed very plainly, you know? They're dressed in the uniform of, you know, like a regular high school student, uh, you know, that would be wearing in Japan. Uh, they don't have those really elaborate clothes with, like, the, the flashy, like, accessories and stuff. They all look like regular students. And right. they don't really yeah, and they're all different. Them. Right, right. Uh, and it's not just, you know, it's not just Kaede that looks different. It's everyone. It's everyone in the in the cast that looks very generic, and they look kind of like regular students. They're not wearing the the things that they're wearing in the cover and the character arts and stuff like that. So, and then they have no idea why they're there. Yeah. And at at that point, you know, they're forced to gather up at at the gymnasium, and um, you know, they they're they're kind of there's a lot of information that is given at this point. What do you guys remember from from here? Well, um. I remember there was um, Kaede meets up with um, God the ultimate Shu, Shu, yeah Shuichi Shuichi um, who he nobody nobody thinks they have an ultimate ability yeah but they know that there is a hunt going on for yeah, the ultimate hunt yeah yeah they make reference to an ultimate hunt but we don't know what that is just yet. But uh, one of the uh, the mana kids mentioned it. Yeah, and um, but they act like, oh, I've heard of that before, or something like that. Um, no mention of Hope's Peak Academy. Um, pretty much no mention of the end of the world that happened at the, you know, throughout the first series, I guess. The the most awful, most tragic event in human history. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no mention of that either. Yeah, no mention of that. So. Um, it's it's weird. There there is one other thing that did occur that uh, piqued my interest. Um, there's a few times where Kaede is having what could be flashbacks or mm-hmm. glitch in the system. I would say where it shows her looks like sitting in like a chamber with a virtual reality headset on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's only there for a few seconds. Um, right. And she acknowledges it very briefly, like, what the hell was that? That's about it. Yeah, like a weird memory or like a flare of like a headache, and then she, you know, she remembers something for a moment. Yeah. And then it just goes away. But uh, after that, they gather up on the gymnasium, the monokits who are basically like, um, they look like monokuma, but they. They all look different. Like one is looks like a rock and roller, the other one looks like a ninja, one of them just looks like a regular like a old seventies robot. The other one is like a girl. And there's like a there's like a, how many monokids were there? There's like there's four, five. right? Five five, five monokids? Yeah. yeah, five monokids. And they're kinda of just talking to them and they're like, Well, you no, know, you guys are boring as you guys are right now, you know, being the normal high school students. You guys need to remember your ultimate talents. So, you know, they basically dress them up all in their elaborate ultimate uniforms, you know, that kind of accentuate their personalities and their talents. And then they they shine a light on them. And all of a sudden Kaede and basically everyone else goes into this like really crazy flashback where they're starting to remember all sorts of information. Um, this will, we'll come back to this because this plays into my theory. 
Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be asking a bunch of questions to you guys about the uh, theories and characters and <laughs> such like that. So we can get to that uh, after after the trial's done. I, I feel like I had a theory with like five minutes in this game. I was yeah, like, me oh, too. I, I think I know what's going on. You know, yep. good. I'm pretty sure I got to figure it out. Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you got it. You got to figure it out. Five. They're minutes all into dead, it. guys. They're all dead. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, Drew. This time, man. You, you know, you keep you keep going up that tree. Eventually, it's going to be the right one, right? There you go. Yeah. Just keep going. But yeah. No. <laughs> so they basically do a hard reset, yep. and yep. they we 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 play as Kaede. Uh We're hearing her thoughts and um, basically what she's doing. Um, and she wakes up in her locker again, falls out. Um. It's it's basically the same beginning part, except this time they know who they are as far as the ultimates go. Um, and over the course of the next few, you know, dialogue and um, um, just meeting up with everybody else, you learn who everybody is and what their ultimate yeah, talent is. Why don't we uh, go ahead and introduce all the characters then and their ultimate talents okay. and our kind of like our first impressions of them. Okay. So, you know, our main character is uh, Kaede Akamatsu. She is the ultimate pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are your impressions of her uh, at first glance? Like when you first got in control and you're like starting to understand what she was about? Um, she, she honestly, she came off as just, this is the main protagonist. Right. Yeah, exactly. A little bit generic, but Mm -hmm. you know, she, she's the optimist. She's Mm -hmm. cheerful. She seems trustworthy. She doesn't do anything sketchy. I mean, she she reminded me a lot of uh, Makoto, the first impression, you know, kind of like, kind of go, uh, we got, we got, we can do this. If we work together, kind of guy with the optimism, you know, trying to be nice to everyone. But at the same time, I like the fact that she's not a complete pushover. You know, she'll, she'll push back if you push her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I like that um, because Makoto obviously was, you know, completely a beta, and he just get pushed around by literally everybody uh, until the very end of the game. That is anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, she seemed like a very strong character, and uh, you know, I was I was pretty happy. You know, I like uh, strong female characters in video games, especially when they're the lead. Um, yep. So okay, so going to the next character, we have Anji Yonaga, the ultimate artist. So what do you guys think of her? I have to flip my pages. She reminds me of some people. <laughs> okay, let me let me hear some examples. Uh, you know, she she's interesting. She's very like she's very like ethereal. She's not real. She's not about the facts. She's about mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I I feel this, and Atua wishes it to be so. Right, Atua being like this this god or deity that she prays to, and then she apparently has a contact with, and she kind of believes him uh, without any kind of hesitation. Yeah. Right? She's, yeah. she's obviously she, not from Japan. Where no, she's not is, from... Yeah, yeah, she's from some type of island where they worship mm-hmm. Atua. But she is the ultimate artist, and she says... Might she, be a little crazy. She says Atua actually writes and draws for her. Right, and she's uh, talented with basically any kind of art, whether it's you know sculpting or whether it's drawing or anything like that. Uh, she kind of has like this tropical look to her, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, because she's from like this uh, island. Uh, the next character we have is uh, Gonta Kokuhara, the ultimate entomologist. Yeah, so every game has always got this giant man or giant <laughs> yep. woman uh-huh. who could probably kill you in one hit. Um, so they're always a suspect. Yeah, they're always a suspect. <laughs> we, usually, they're not the bad guy. You know? right, yeah. So you had Sakura, who was like, 
really gentle. And then you had, uh, what was his name? The big giant. Nekomaru. Uh, Nekomaru, mm-hmm. who, you know, all he wanted to do was help everybody become better. Uh, and then Gonta, who is the, probably the most gentlest giant you'd ever meet, mm-hmm. who, is, who wants to be nothing but a gentleman. Uh, he spoke. He speaks kind of in like broken English. He speaks like he, Tarzan. Yeah, he speaks like Tarzan. That's exactly right. He was actually raised by uh, by beasts. Exactly what beasts? Like, I think it's like wolves, wolves or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that he says. Uh, and then he was eventually found out, and then became um, you know came back to society. And just it, his number one goal is to be a gentleman, and he's just a really nice guy. But also. Being the ultimate entomologist, he loves bugs. Yes, and uh, he doesn't take kindly to people that doesn't that don't like bugs. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think I would get along with this guy. But he seems really nice, you know. Is a uh, big guy nice. can do a lot of work. Nice, but a bit simple. Yes, yes, simple. I think is the right word to use. So, but not not so much in an offensive way. But you know, he just you know this is the way he is because of his upbringing. Yeah. Uh, the next we have uh, Himiko Yumeno, the ultimate magician. Yes. So. Mage, depending on, depending on who you ask, <laughs> she, she claims that she's a mage. Yeah, um, she's, she she claims to be the ultimate mage, not the magician, because magic is magic is real, right? Yeah. So um, there's always a character who has an ultimate ability that you would think is not very useful, mm-hmm. and they wait. Would you would you claim Himiko was like that? I would say yes. Oh, because as soon as I as soon as I met her, I'm like, oh, ultimate magician. That's going to be integral in a case, obviously. Oh, you know, yeah. she, she's a key to misdirection. Misdirection and you know, sleight of hand stuff like that. Sure, um, but she plays it off like she's a mage, uh, like like fucking like you know, Harry Potter wizard shit. Um, and she doesn't have that at all. Um, that. That you can say so far. Right? Right, yeah, that we can say. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and she kind of reminds me of, not in the same, not in personality-wise, but just like um, the ultimate clairvoyant, who we never fucking saw anything he ever did. <laughs> right. You know, as far as like his ultimate ability, which makes me think, oh, that guy was just bogus. And I have a feeling she may very well be really good at magic tricks, mm-hmm. but, you know. It, it, she plays it off like she's a mage. Yeah, and she she's always very soft spoken. She she sighs at everything like she's tired. She's like, nah, I don't want to do it. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, she seems the type. But you know, whether or not what kind of role she might have, and what you know, just like how Matt was talking about when I first saw her, I was like, magician. Yeah, holy shit, that could that could play a huge part in some kind of a case. Because magicians are all, all about trying to fool the you know fool the eye and trying to make things real that you know aren't actually real, right? Yeah. So that that was my first impression as well. And then we have uh, K one B zero, also known as Kibo, Kibo. the ultimate robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, just by looking at him, he reminds mm-hmm. me of Makoto. <laughs> Makoto, yeah. okay. The look of him because you got the hair and. Even like the face a little bit kind of looks like him. Uh, a little bit, sure. Um, he's actually very timid. Yeah. Uh, um, he has an wants a- to be a real boy. Yeah. Yeah. He has an AI that is uh, kind of like self-learning, uh, a neural net processor, if you will. 
Yeah, <laughs> a learning computer. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he just, I mean, honestly, he's not, he's not particularly spectacular. Yeah, he hasn't right. done he's, much. He's yeah, just been all that involved. Yeah. Right. And you figure, you know, the thing about Akibo is that you figure, oh my god, oh, he's, he's a fucking robot, right? That means he should be able to, like, fly, shoot lasers out of his eyes, and Rocket do all punch. sorts of crazy things. But it's like, no, 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 I have the strength of, like, a middle-aged man, you know? It's like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be any stronger than anyone normal, any, anyone, you know, any human. I want to be like people, and that's his ultimate goal, to be a person. And he always take offense to people that are discriminating against him. Especially like Kikochi, who always makes fun of him and stuff like that, uh, and um, he he calls them like robo robophobes, right? Is that uh-huh. is that the robe? Yeah, robophobes, and uh, <laughs> he gets very defensive. But um, we don't know exactly, you know, what Kibos is. Is he really a robot? Is he, you know, does he does he actually have like mechanical? Maybe he's just a guy who thinks he's a robot. What do you, what do you guys feel about that? That will get into my theory. <laughs> okay, okay, so we'll, we'll pass on that. So we'll go to the next uh, person, and then it is Kaito Momota, ultimate astronaut, or as he refers to himself, the luminary of the stars. Luminary of the stars, yep. <laughs> um, I like this guy. Okay. He yep. He's he's kind of strong-willed. Um, he, he may be a little too strong-willed. Seems to get in his own way sometimes, in, right. in, in irrational ways. But you can tell he has a good heart. Like he he's yeah. he's a good guy. Like right. that's he comes off as he's a good guy. You know, he 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 would be one of the guys that would that's got your back. He may not be the smartest guy in the world, um, but he's he just seems like a good guy. He seems like a loyal. You know, he's 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 someone that's gonna be really looking after his friend. You know, despite what that might do to himself, kind of deal. And he kind of puts himself in harm's way for other people uh, at every turn. You know. And yeah. uh, this is pretty Nakamaro, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, there's uh, definitely a comparison to be drawn in their in their personalities for sure. Uh, and then we have the next character, who is Kirumi Tojo, the ultimate maid. Yeah, I think Kaito, if anything, was maybe more impulsive, even. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, the ultimate maid, yeah. A lot of mystery to her, mm-hmm. but I get the feeling she's an ally, almost like. How the ultimate detectives are in the okay. previous games. She's very meticulous. She's very good at spotting things um, and handling tasks. That's what her specialty is, basically. Um, but she is. She does have that mysterious tint to her, where you don't know if you can trust her. Definitely, right? Yeah. Like maybe there's something hidden behind. Maybe she has an agenda of some sort, you know? They it, they it, do it really well with the character models, too. Because because she always has that one eye covered. And it's always, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. always looks like she's got she's got something to hide. Yep. You know? Simple stuff like that. They do it so well in this the, this the these games. They do. Yeah, I my, mean, if, oh, go ahead, go Matt. Ahead. Oh, go, okay. go ahead. Uh, and then, if you speaking of her design, if you actually look at her uh, her shirt, there's actually a design of like a, a spider web there yeah. too, which yeah. is actually kind of out of place for a maid, because that kind of a spider web, you know, kind of symbolizes something maybe a little bit more sinister, mm-hmm. or at least it gives that impression. Whether she acts that way or not, because 
I mean, if nothing else, from everything we've said, she just lives to serve other people, wants to you know help people, make people happy. She basically goes to everyone's room and cleans them. She cooks for everybody, you know. She and then she is so talented in basically everything, you know. She seems almost like too good to be true, like almost like she's some kind of a superwoman. So um, someone definitely that when I when I saw her for the first time, I felt like, oh, this is a person that I really should look at because yep. when someone is that talented at everything. Then I feel like maybe they are also the most dangerous as well. Oh, yeah. Eric, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I yeah, I noticed that. Well, she's a maid and she has a spider web. That those two things don't fit. And my my real hope was that because of her character, she doesn't come off like Pecco. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, she she's made a lot of comments so far that you know she she just wants to serve people and she'll do whatever she's told to do, anything she says. Yeah. To the point where people are like, "Well, oh, that that that's a strange way to phrase it." You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of red flag kind of deal. You know, what if yeah. what if someone asked her to kill somebody? You know? Exactly. Would she so, do yeah. it? Didn't, yeah. she, didn't she already say that somebody had been had asked her to assassinate yeah, I think somebody? She, yeah, I think she was also asked to take down an entire country at some point. Yeah, and then she refused because it would it, it would not have been possible for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but very interesting character. I love her visual design, by the way. Probably one of my favorite in the cast. Um, and then we have Kokichi Oma, the ultimate supreme leader. Uh-huh. He's hard to get a beat on. He's always, it's like he's so intentionally misdirectional so that nobody can get a sense of who he is. Yeah. He tries to, to egg people on. He tries to, to rile people up. He r- reminds me a bit, he, he reminds me of a dumb version of the ultimate prodigy. So of uh, of Toga uh, Byakuya Togami. Yeah, Togami. Mm. Byakuya. Um he he reminds me of that because he likes to stir things up. He wants to he make sure things interesting, yeah. just like uh Togami did. Yeah. A little um, less arrogance. But he's just he's stupid. <laughs> he he come he comes off as stupid, which he also mentioned when you met him that he is a liar. Yeah, and I th- once again it goes. But like, how do you, how, how do you deal with someone that introduces themselves as a liar? Yeah, like yeah. where do you go from that point, right? Like anything that that person says can be, you know, <laughs> because it's not just about telling lies. The way he acts, like he can basically turn on tears at like a moment's notice without actually feeling any emotion. Yeah, and maybe he's faking that as well. Maybe he actually feels emotion. Maybe he doesn't. So. When you when you see him and the things that he does, he always like kind of teases people, makes fun of people, especially uh, Kibo. He likes to he constantly asks Kibo whether robots have dicks or not, and things like that. <laughs> just like dumb things uh, that aren't like necessarily harmful, but certainly are teasing, uh, like kind of like mischievous. Yeah, right. Yeah, and but, even more, it's like you can't even understand what he cares about exactly or what he what he feels. Yeah, because uh, when we go back to a character like Kaito. You see him, you talk to him for a minute, boom, you know exactly what he's about, you know? <laughs> you know 100% the kind of person that he is, but even if you spend hours with Kokishi just listening to what he's talking about and the things that is he says he's interested in, you'd have no idea yeah. what he's really like. Yeah. I, he also is the ultimate leader, um, and uh, he says that he is the leader of a 10,000-man cult who mm-hmm. is like an evil organization. Yeah. Um, but then he also says that he is a liar. <laughs> do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that he is actually a leader of a ten thousand man strong cult? 
I, well, like I said, I think this goes into part of my theory. Okay, okay, we'll hold back. We'll, we'll uh, save going, it. Uh, going to the next character, we have Korokio Shinguji, the ultimate anthropologist. He's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, he, he, he had, he has uh, a few moments in the class trial, but, but out of, outside of that, you don't really talk to him that much, right? Yeah, he's um, just there feeding strange commentary. Yeah, he he does enjoy seeing. He he's kind of like the um, God, what is his name? The 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 fucking weirdo from the second game. Are, are you talking about uh, Gundam? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 not him. Uh, Gundam actually turned out to be a decent person. Yeah, Gundam. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Um, no, nah, the the one who. It was the last class trial of the second game where you, 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 he wanted somebody to kill him. Nagito. 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 Yeah. He reminds me of Nagito because he seems mm. like he's one of those guys who really enjoys seeing people overcome bad things. Okay. I can definitely say that. He does make a, make comments about how he loves seeing the struggles of humanity, how beautiful he how finds beautiful it. How beautiful it is. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't talk about like hope or despair or anything like that in particular. But he does find all manner of humanity, whether they be considered ugly by other people's standards, to be beautiful, because that is part of what they are. And, and from a visual standpoint, he looks very distinct because he's wearing this mask, yeah, like yeah. this, like this, like uh, like a sexual deviant mask with like a zipper over his mouth. <laughs> the gimp. <laughs> yeah, and then he's he's got this hat that's covering you know most of his head. It looks kind of militaristic in a lot of ways. Yeah. His uniform. Um, is it, but at the same time, it doesn't seem ill. He doesn't seem any ill intentions or anything like that. It doesn't seem uh, to be violent or you know, particularly mean spirited to anyone, right? Yeah, yeah I, I get much more of the sense that he's trying to analyze people. Mm, yes, good. Uh, yeah, I, I can definitely feel that way too. And the next character we have is Maki Harukawa, the ultimate child giver, caregiver. She hasn't done a whole lot. So she, far I feel I, she's kind of bland. Yeah. Okay. To me, okay. I mean, she. All right. So her her characteristics are she's supposed to be the ultimate uh, child caregiver, but she hates kids. Um. <laughs> she she is, um, she's kind of like everything's kind of annoying to her. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like she has uh, more of a heart than uh, Himiko. Is that how you pronounce it? The, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the musician. Yeah. yeah, I feel like she has more of a heart and personality than Himiko does, because when bad things happen, you can tell she, she, she kind of cares, while Himiko is like, "Oh, this is annoying." Yeah, right. I, I specifically spent time with these two because I felt like Maki was kind of uh, unknown to me. I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand really what your ultimate ability is or how it's going to play into this game. Mm-hmm. You also haven't been in it much. I don't have much of a sense of your personality. So I spent time with her. Also, I felt like Himiko as a person was kind of useless. So I'm like, <laughs> alright, one of the two of these must come forward in the next couple hours or mm-hmm. ten hours. So you had a you had a feeling that there was more to these characters than meets the eye, so you decided to spend your free time with these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was okay. a bit of a waste of time because you don't learn anything during free time, but uh, well, you do if you get the if did you give him like the present and then you go into the like second part of that event? No, I don't have any presents yet. Ah, uh, 
Uh, okay. Go uh, some, man. Yeah. Uh, what is that? If you actually, I think you can do it in two ways. You can talk to someone and spend free time with them twice at the same, you know, twice, yeah. and then you'll have like a little event that goes into a little bit of the backstory, and then you'll get like a like a bit of like the friendship fragment thing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, just like in the previous games, if you fill that all out, you'll get a skill that you can use during the trials, with some of which are very helpful. Um, but uh, let's, let, well, speaking of that, who did you spend your free time with, Drew? Well, um, I don't, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but we're we're gonna get it at this show anyway. I spent all my fucking free time with Rentaro. <laughs> Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> well, you, we don't need to get into anything just yet, but uh, what what drew you to Rontaro to spend your time with him particularly? Because we he, he knows jack shit about himself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know everything I could. Okay, well, on that front, let's go go ahead and introduce Rontaro Amami. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is the ultimate, we don't know. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't remember what his ultimate talent is. Just yep. like just like a you know, certain someone else from Danganronpa 2, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about it is, like, even though he doesn't know, it feels like he is very sure of himself in a lot of ways still. He seems still very, like, confident and still talented. Like, he knows what's going on, like, maybe more than he lets on. Yep. Uh, what What do you guys feel about him? Matt, go ahead. Uh, yeah, similar. I mean, he seems like he's plugged into something more mm. than anyone else is. Uh, I mean... He mentions the ultimate hunt again after everyone else has sort of forgotten about it. After they've woken up in round two. Right. The hard hard reset. Uh, He certainly looks evocative. Right. He seems seems very stylish, too. Like, he's dressed in, like, a way, like, almost like like someone that's very in tune with, like, fashion and something like that. Is, Is the impression that I got with him. With all the accessories and stuff like that on him. Uh, doesn't yeah. seem like a normal guy. It's just like well traveled, maybe. Um, and then Drew, did you want to add something? Uh, yeah. Uh, when I first met this guy, I was like, "This is Nagito Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, because at the beginning of Danganronpa Two, Nagito was kind of like, kind of sure of himself, kind of friendly. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the game, be- turned into a fucking madman. Yeah. Um, and I swear I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be, this guy's gonna turn into the fucking madman. You know, he's gonna be devious, maybe for good reasons or bad reasons. And I was like, oh, I need to know more about this guy. Uh, okay, I, I completely understand that angle too. Okay, and then the next character, we have Miyu Iruma, the ultimate inventor. Wow, what a firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps the most vulgar fictional character I've ever encountered maybe mm-hmm. uh, well vulgar female character that is anyway she, she I mean she she drops the fucking c word yeah she'll <laughs> drop any kind of insult that she can possibly even think of yeah she's constantly it's interesting. yeah constantly talking about Kaede's uh, breasts yeah <laughs> and she calls Kaede flat which is not true at all because no. you know yeah, for, for high school students obviously I think Mew uh, size is I think bigger but yeah, she she's constantly insulting everyone, calling everyone versions, and then making references and analogies like, "Oh, this will be easier than making a version come in his pants," and shit like that. Just constantly, just like nonstop. But at the same time, when she is confronted and when someone pushes back, she becomes very timid, and she yeah, like a little bit like Kokichi. Back. 
uh, a little bit. I think Kokichi can you know, can fire back the, the insults when he feels like it. But Miyu feels like she she just kind of folds anytime someone kind of says no to her instantaneously. She's a bit of a wuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and Tenko. I feel like there. I thought, to me, it felt like a bit of a theme where there's a bunch of characters who have this sense of bravado that crumble easily under pressure. Yes, yes, I I, I completely understand what you, uh, what you're going with that. Um, anything else about Mia Roma, the ultimate inventor? She's the other one. So her and Himiko were the two. I'm like, all right, this feels like an ultimate ability that is obviously going to be tied to a case. Right. I mean, if you can invent anything, you can invent a novel way that nobody else will really understand at first on mm-hmm. how to kill somebody. So to me, I was like, all right, well, that's that's a, an ability to watch. Man, I, I love how dialed in you are, and you're approaching these characters, not as the individuals and the personalities they're facing, but from a gameplay perspective of the story and where it's going to go, and I love that, man. That's yeah, but by round three, I mean, that's where we are, right? That's also <laughs> yeah, where yeah. they know we should be. Yeah, uh, you're 100% right, because we've already established that Kodaka expects us to feel and think this way. Yep, so and, when I uh, see uh, Ultimate Caregiver or Nursery School Teacher, you know, that to me is so far away from murderous intent or murderous capability mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm intrigued because you seem so incapable of murder. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay, uh, the next character we have is Ryoma Hoshi, the ultimate tennis pro. This guy's weird. Yeah, wh- what's know. up with his character design? There's yeah, always I... one weird character design in all these games. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, you had, like, Taro Taro that looked really weird in Danganronpa 2, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. you had, uh, who was that? Who was the, the ultimate was fan fiction guy? Yeah, the 2D, 2D fan fiction guy, right? He looked very out of place. His art style didn't really belong with the rest of the cast. Yeah. And the Ryoma definitely seems that way because he's, he's under five feet tall, you know? He's very, very short. His eyes, like, are just, like, black, giant black dots. Like, he's staring into, like, they look like fish, dead fish eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's very intimidating. And you figure a guy that's under five feet will have like a you know squeaky voice, but he's got this really deep, monotone voice. You know, he sounds very his leather serious. jacket. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he actually, if you look at his design, he's actually wearing prison clothes. Prison outfit, yeah. Yeah, under that, under the under the under the jacket, and he's actually got chains tied to his left ankle still. So yep. you know that yeah, that's some that's a bit of a bit of an Easter egg if you're not really paying attention. But because he was supposed to be in prison, right? Yeah. And do, do you guys remember for what? Yeah. He took <laughs> down an entire uh, Yakuza gang uh, by hitting them with uh, metal tennis balls. Yeah. He yes, is the compl- completely conniving. <laughs> the only person in this entire group who has killed someone before. Yeah, not just someone, but many people. Many people. Yeah, and just he, an entire group of Yakuza. And he was kidnapped from prison. <laughs> yeah, he, that, the last crazy. thing he remembers was being in prison. So, but he did it for good intentions. Well, that's that's for you to figure out, right? Yeah. Maybe if you spend some free time with him, maybe you know, maybe something else will happen later on down in the case, and then you'll learn more. But out of everyone here, he is the only character that freely admits to being a murderer. Yep. You know, and he he calls himself a shell of his you know a former former life. He call he says he's no longer fit to be called the ultimate tennis pro. You know, he's just a he's just a prisoner. He's just a murderer, and he seems uh, he seems pretty 
I don't know. It seems regretful for a lot of the things that might have happened in his previous life, right? Yeah, I was going to initially say remorseful, but then I I got a sense more of just not remorse, but acceptance. Yes. This this is who I am. This is what I've done. I I don't feel bad about it, but I'm not going to apologize for it. I just, this is me. Take it or leave it. I also think that he is the most rational person in this entire group. Yeah. I would agree. Like whenever you hear him talk uh, during a class trial or in general, like he always says something that a normal person would say. You know, he's always looking at things from a logical standpoint. It I, seems I very like intelligent. I feel like he's like that hardened uh, survivor of the zombie apocalypse. He's straight <laughs> off on his own. You know, he doesn't need anybody. You know, yeah. he's got it figured out. He's gonna he's gonna survive just okay on his own. Yeah. Except okay. now he's not in a situation where he has that option. Very cool. Um, next character, we have Shuichi Saihara, the ultimate detective. Always an ultimate detective. Uh, not in the second game, right? You're correct. Yeah, not in the second yeah. game, but uh, yes. Uh, you know, Kill Kill, uh, Kirigiri being the first ultimate detective of the first game, being very prominent in the future in that game, so kind of harkens back to uh, her talent. Yeah. But uh, what are your impressions of him? He's the Kyoko of this game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I got. <laughs> um, he um, he just seems like uh, the you know the the the, the helper, the guy who's going to be your partner. Yeah, he's set up like a co-main. I mean, he kind of is the co-main character. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's there from moment one. Um, he's the first what person I found- you meet. Yeah, he is actually the first person you meet multiple times, right? Because uh-huh. after the reset and everything. And he kind of seems to be there to help to, to guide you, whether by design or not, uh, is up to your interpretation. But my first impression was that when I see the tagline Ultimate Detective, I obviously think of Kira Gear, right? Because she was so intelligent. You know, she had everything that she needed to figure out, you know, from, from a logic standpoint. Um, she was, like, undisputed. You know, in our in our reasoning, but when I look at Shuichi, he feels he constantly doubts himself. You know, he says he he says multiple times like I'm not actually a real detective. I'm just a detective in training. You know, I just got a lucky break. I solved that one case, and then they started calling me this. So he feels like the title of detective, the ultimate detective, is not deserved by him. You know, he's, he's being called that in a, in a, in a in a way because it seems sensationalized. And he seems very timid in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome's a killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. And the uh, next character we have is Tanko Chabashira, the ultimate Aikido master. She hates men. Degenerate males. Uh, that's, you know, that's, that's the three of us. You know, fits our description <laughs> perfectly. Yep. And that's basically what she calls men in general. And she hates men. Like, she seems to either... Harbor some kind of a hatred man from you know early age or for whatever reason we don't know yet, uh, but um, she also is is very physical you know she's she, she's down to like she's gonna like throw people you know if if they get close to her or something like that. Uh, so what what do you guys uh, feel about her? Kind of reminds me of um, oh god what was her name the uh, was it the ultimate it wasn't the ultimate wrestler what was her name wore the white shirt. Always, always love to eat. Yeah, Akane. Yeah, kind of reminds me of her because she's kind of larger than life out there, kind of thing. Um, yeah, loud, brash. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, also willing to help. 
uh, you know. Willing to help girls, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, so- <laughs> when something goes down, she's like, all right, let's beat somebody's ass. Yeah, that's true. She, she's ready to throw it down. Yeah. Unless, you know, it's up against, like, giant robots or something like that, then not so much. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, she seems pretty simple uh, in in the same way how Gunta is. She doesn't seem all that intelligent, but she also seems like she is going to be there to help people if they need it. Um, okay, and the last character we have is Sumugi Shirogane, the ultimate cosplayer. Um, once again, reminds me of uh, the ultimate nurse from the second game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of ditzy. Mm, true, true, true. Um, overly innocent mm-hmm. in some some ways, uh, which makes her you know, ooh, she could be evil and she's just playing right, it off right. as you know. Um, also another one for Matt, uh, ultimate cosplay. Originally, I was thinking, oh, she could disguise herself as anybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, it's just like a, another one of those characters that could. Put forth a, a class trial of epic convoluted proportions, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Another misdirection, but, uh, yeah, d- timid, ditzy, you know. She makes I doubt a lot she's of, that one dimensional. Yeah. 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 One would hope, right? Because, you know, that'd be kind of boring. Uh, she makes a lot of reference to anime, some of which I get, and some of them just go over my head, so I can't imagine it, it'll hit for any of you guys in particular. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you what a lot of them were references to, because I didn't even know they were anime references. Oh, one of them was a reference to Fate, where she talks about Gilgamesh and the Grail War, which uh, is an anime-slash-game series that I watched previously. Yep. And then she made some other references, and I'm not sure uh, at some point. But uh, yeah, she, she likes anime, because obviously she's the ultimate cosplayer, right? Uh, anime and games, that's kind of her thing. Uh, so she makes a lot of references. But she also seems pretty level-headed. She she kind of finds it weird like how people are all okay with what's going on. And she kind of always makes these comments about like, and you're bringing that up now? You know, that kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Um, but overall, seems pretty plain. But maybe there is something more to it because you know how it is, right? Because yeah. whoever seems the most innocent is always the most, most guilty, possibly. She, so. she's, she's more. She's definitely smarter than she lets on. Okay. Yep. I was going to say more cerebral than physical was my first impression. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now that we've uh, basically met every character, uh, all the characters, uh, the introductions are done, and they meet up at the gym, where Manakuna, Manakuma finally reveals himself, uh, along with the Manakups. And they bring out something that we haven't seen in the previous Danganronpa called Exocells, which are these giant mechas that the Manakups are able to pilot. And... Monokuma says basically, yeah, we're going to have a killing game. If you don't follow the rules, we're going to destroy you with these exocells. And even though you have, like, you know, very strong fighters like Gunta, you have the, you know, like Tenko, the Aikido master, they're not, you know, able to fight, you know, barehanded against fucking giant mechs, especially when there's five of them, right? Yeah. And they're kind of forced into this life once again, and the killing game uh, it, it begins once more. There's uh, a few. Um, things that he mentions is that uh, the sure. killing game uh, is also uh, it ends um, whenever there's two only two people left. Yes, uh, which is I don't think he ever gave that information in the no, other that, games. No, that right. is completely new. Because if you remember the end of each of the Danganronpa games, obviously more than two player uh, two people survived each one, right? Yeah. So this is brand new to this particular interpretation of the killing games. 
uh, to what goal or what reason this rule exists uh, is unbeknownst to us yet, but maybe it'll be made clear later on. Yeah. The uh, but the, pretty much all the rules are the same. You can't harm the her headmaster. Mm-hmm. There's um you can't go to what the kitchen or the library after a certain time. Right. Um. Uh, you have dorms that you can sleep in. Um. You know, somebody has to kill somebody and get away with it, and then they graduate. Um, and, um. Is it here that he talks about the perk? Mm, well, I think a day day or two goes by afterwards. Yeah, I think a And day then when passes. nothing happens, yeah, nothing happens, and then, uh, basically what happens is that after this, people are saying, like, yeah, hell no, you know? What right-minded people yeah. would go around killing, killing each other? They, so they go around exploring the, uh, the environment and trying to find a way out, and all of a sudden, Gunta says, "Like, oh, I actually found like a sewer that we can go down to, right?" Yeah, I, I didn't go down it, but I think that maybe there's an exit. Because if you think about it, if they were brought into this place with these huge walls surrounding it, they must have been brought in through some passageway of some sort, right? So there must be an exit. So they go to this place, they find out that like there's a huge exit sign, you know, and then they're like, "Oh man, this is it! All we got to do is go through this place, and we can just get out of here together." Yeah, because there's no normal way out, right? They they call it the end wall. Yeah, so yeah. They're in a big cage. Yeah, there's there's no way to climb it or anything like that that they could see, uh, and they're covered in all sides because they kind of explore all all throughout the environment. And this is, seems to be the only way out. Uh, perhaps it, it seemed a little bit good to be true, but they decided like, well, you know, no matter what, we're gonna go through it together because we're just a bunch of ultimates. We're so talented, you know, we can do anything if we work together. Kind of nonsense, and they go in. And we get to play as players a glorious mini game where I died in the first like minute. I'm not po- sure how long did you guys yeah, last. Possibly the worst platformer I've ever played in my entire exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and obviously it was purposely made that way because yep. you're not supposed to succeed. Yeah. And and this this basically goes to show that yeah there is an exit according to Monokuma and this is the exit this is it right here. You guys can go through it and if you guys can go through you can leave. But it's made and designed in such a way with the traps and everything that they're able, you know, they fail every time. And even though they try many, many times, they keep failing and failing and failing. They decide that it's this is this is suicidal. They're just going to kill themselves if they just keep throwing themselves into this uh, obstacle course. Despite so they just day's insistence. Yeah, even though you know, I, I I can understand that you know maybe if you don't give up, you can do it. But those those words can be dangerous, right? Because when there really is no chance, they just become empty, harmful platitudes. And Kokichi himself actually calls uh, Kaede out on that. Kokichi being the you know, ultimate supreme leader, the liar, and all that jazz. Uh, he he says that like what you're doing is actually harming us, you know, more than helping us. So you need to stop. You need to like lay off. You're forcing us to work with you, or you're gonna chastise us for not working with you. So they they're really dejected. They go back. And then the next day, they're they're asked to gather up again, and Monokuma makes the announcement that, well, you guys aren't starting the killing games yet, so let me give you guys a nice little motivation to get you guys started. And he says, okay, the first murder is free. If you kill somebody, you're free to go. There will be no class trial. And he calls it the first blood perk. Yep. And uh, what were you guys thinking when you heard of this? Unprecedented. Yes. Yep. Indeed. Like because that's the whole point of of the of the games. Like 
it's supposed to lead to these class trials where you're supposed to find out the murderer. But if anyone can basically kill anyone else willy-nilly and just get away with it, the whole structure of the game, you know, both inside the game and for us as players playing the game, would would shatter. Yeah. And and, uh, everyone becomes very paranoid, you know, because that's too good to be true. And once again, everyone says, like, well, we can't work together because everyone could be, you know, trying to plot some kind of murder or something like that up against us. So everyone kind of goes their own way, and that basically breaks up their 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 idea to work together at that point. Yeah. Um, Kaede and uh, uh, how you pronounce his name? Shuichi. Shuichi. Yeah. Who was the ultimate detective? Yeah, they they try to stick together as much as possible. Um, and is it then that we discover the um the thing in the library? Well, what happened is that when he was making the announcement for the first blood, uh, Kaito actually decides to attack Monokuma. And uh, one of the exocells comes bursting through. And we figure at this point, like, oh, my God, Kaito's going to fucking die. Cause yeah, one of the before. Yeah, one of the rules is that you can't attack the headmaster. And we've seen, you know, uh, not Junko die. Yeah, <laughs> if you remember in the first game, because we're at this point, we're all assuming you're on the same page with us. Okay, so no, 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 uh, <laughs> blaming me for spoilers about the first two games. So because of that, we're like, oh my god, Kaito's gonna die. This this, this sucks because I like Kaito, but what happens instead is that Monokuma gets crushed by accident, or maybe not by accident, by one of the Mono Cubs, uh, you know, piloting one of the Exosols. Right. Shit. The killing games are over. Monokuma is dead. Well, that's what everybody assumes, at least. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, it's they they like, oh, okay, we're well, we're good then. You know, you killed Monokuma, um, which means like going through my head. Obviously, I was like, no, this isn't the end. But also, don't <laughs> these don't these people know that Monokuma is not a real thing? Somebody's controlling him. Yeah, because they yeah, do. Okay. They do around this time start to talk about the mastermind, right? Yeah. The, about the possibility of a mastermind, but they don't have any proof just yet whether there is one or not. Um, so, like like Drew was saying, um, at this point, uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're like feeling good. Maybe this is the end. But Monokuma, of course, comes back. You know, doing his little stick about like, oh, I'm actually the ghost of Monokuma. But then he actually just reveals himself. He's like, yeah, I can make as many copies of myself as I want. Not the same for Mono Cubs, and they're they're unique. You know, there's only one of them. So if they die, they're done. They're gone forever. Because who cares about Mono Cubs compared to Monokuma? And at this point, Shuichi actually asked Koide to come with him to the library where he said he made some kind of discovery. And there, Shuichi shows Koide a hidden bookcase, a door that opens up behind it where there's a card reader and uh, it seems like someone is able to access the uh, the uh, the door in order to get to some kind of hidden room. And Shuichi kind of deduces that the mastermind is the one who has access to this door because he actually set up a bit of like dust and stuff like that on the card reader to see if anyone would use it. And it turns out that after the second Monokuma appeared, someone had used the door, gone inside, and then he says that there must be some kind of a mechanism inside that room that allows the mastermind to create more Monokumas as they see fit, yeah. or maybe you know manipulate any kind of other you know variables uh, as they need. And because of that, they start to uh, they start to hatch a plan together. 
Yeah, they um, they they're wanting to possibly catch whoever the mastermind is in the act of going through the door, and uh, so he gets the bright idea of um, asking the uh, ultimate inventor to invent some uh, some kind of homemade uh, surveillance. And this uh, is tied to the countdown, right? Because I think Monokuma says at the end of the countdown, he's going to have like a. Uh, a million Monokumas yes. destroy everything. Yes, yeah. Uh, very, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Thank you, Matt. Uh, what happens is that after he reappeared, even with the first blood perk, no one was killing anybody. And he was getting tired, and he was also getting impatient. And he said, you know what? You guys have a two-day deadline. If at the end of the second day no one is dead, then I'm just going to kill you all. You guys are boring me. I don't need you to figure out I'm going to start the killing games. So you know, he set that you know hard deadline. And because of that, it feels like it, it puts a lot of people into motion. And uh, go ahead, Drew. Yeah. So um, they they call upon the help of um, of the ultimate inventor to create uh, some surveillance cameras. Now they, they don't have the most technical stuff out there, but they they do have, find some uh, disposable cameras along with uh, some motion sensors. And uh, he wants uh, the inventor to um, create, basically, a motion sensor when it detects motion to take a photo with the uh, the disposable camera. He's got three of those. They're going to set them up in the library where the hidden door is and uh, have it in different angles. So that way we can see when they come in, when they leave, and when they use the door. Um. But he wants to keep this a secret as to not obviously tip the mastermind. Right, because as fewer people that know what they're doing, the less likely they're going to be found out by the mastermind, whose identity they don't currently know. Yeah. So he doesn't tell uh, Mew um, what the the cameras are used for. He just he, he basically says, oh, we're, we're trying to track Monokuma, see where he goes and stuff like that. So the only people that know about this plan is him and Kaede. Um, so they go to the library and they set up the cameras um, the day before the countdown is supposed to begin. Um, and they pretty much have it all in motion because the library is down in the basement where nobody really goes. Um, and so then there's only one way in and out of the basement. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, they, they found the perfect solo. room. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they set up their trap, basically. Uh, he also has it to where he has a um, like an alarm that goes off, right. letting him know when the sensor goes off. Uh, and um, Mew has set up the, um, the cameras to take a photo. And then, obviously, you have to... I don't know how people... Some people who are listening to this may not know how disposable cameras work. <laughs> um, you have to basically wind the next yeah. piece of film. Uh, and that takes a minute. But she has it set up to where it automatically takes a photo, winds up the next uh, piece of film, and then can take another photo. Um, but it takes 30 seconds to do so. Um, and they put it in these different angles. Um um, pretty much there's one above uh, the door. so whenever Sitting the, right on the door, right? Yeah, so when the door moves, it automatically takes a photo of whoever's standing there. Uh, and they have um, 
a camera pointing at each entrance to the um to the library itself. Right. Um in doing so, they also notice that there is a vent that is um kind of above the bookcases. And uh they wanted to make sure that nobody could get into uh the vent and possibly sneak in kind of thing. So um Kaede uh uses a ladder and stacks some books in uh in some certain ways to make sure that the uh that anybody who were to come through the vent, if they possibly could, couldn't get down because of the books being stacked. Um, yeah, I, I still don't actually really understand that statement. What do you mean? Is it that they would see that the books were disrupted? Because if there's a stack of books, you can step on it. Yeah, you can, or you could kick them out of the way. Yeah, so I don't really understand how that was supposed to prevent anybody. Well, I don't think it's a matter of preventing, but if you stack the books yourself, then you knew how they were organized, right? So if someone else carelessly stumbled out of a vent, right, they would they would disturb how the books are stacked, and then you would know that they used the vents. So it wasn't it was not so much just a preventative measure, but more so to let you know that they the vent was used in some way. And the, the the vent uh the the books were actually stacked up pretty high from the from the angle from the outside to make it look like it was actually almost blocking the vent as well. So mm-hmm. But there yeah, they have everything in motion, but they have the, the the final part of the plan is to actually go upstairs. There's a classroom right there at the stairs. Um and they're gonna wait and see who goes down the stairs. And with him, with the button in his hand, he could see when the motion sensor goes off, so he could rush down there and see who it is, too. While also preventing anybody from going through the other end of that vent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cut to zero hour. Oh, actually, let's uh, before we get to that, it, it's at this point that we learn a lot about uh, Shuichi. Oh, his yeah. character, yeah, and uh, what what he means by becoming a you know he he is like a fraud of a detective, and kind of the reason why he kind of always looks down while he's covering his face and not making eye contact with other people when he's talking to them using the hat and everything, is because of uh, the case that was like a breakaway case for him that made him famous, was one where a person murdered another individual, but it turned out that the person that was murdered. Also killed the the uh, the perpetrators uh, like I think a wife or daughter or something like that right some of one of the family members yeah so it was a crime of retribution crime of vengeance where you know justice didn't take hold and uh, give the person who committed the original crime justice and he felt very conflicted in in one hand yes he brought you know he he brought the the person to justice that actually committed the crime but he also you know he also put up someone. In, in prison who sought their own justice in, in a way may, maybe they deserved it right because who can say like like I've never been in a position where you know I've had some you know one of my family members murdered by somebody I don't know how I would feel uh, maybe I would want to you know get some vengeance or something like that too and it's, it's difficult to judge and the way that that person looked at Shuichi as he was being uh, you know taken away by the police kind of traumatized him in a lot of ways and that's why he doesn't like his idea of being this ultimate detective, and why he always, he seems very timid. And I thought I thought that was a nice touch because um, I understood that there was some kind of a backstory behind it. But the idea of getting to the truth 
not always being for the best is a, is a concept I think that's very interesting and that's very real yep. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ties into actually conversations we were having today. Which, hmm. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. So, um, like I said, we cut to getting close to time. We're all waiting in the, uh, or Kaede and Suichi is waiting in the, um, the classroom watching the stairs to see if anybody goes down. Uh, at the same time, uh, cut to about an hour until the deadline and, uh, all the monitors in the, uh, school itself start going off and playing this really obnoxious music mm-hmm. that's very loud. Um, do we know what triggered that? Yeah, there was one hour till deadline until the the until the deadline where Monokuna said. I think it was either two hours or one hour to deadline, and it kind of showed the idea that like, oh yeah, you're all guy, you guys are all gonna get killed soon. And they played this really obnoxious music over the monitor, showing these graphics about like how everyone's gonna die unless someone else dies, kind of deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I guess what I mean is that the killer didn't know that that was going to happen, right? And it was just kind of coincident that it helps the plan? Um, that, yeah, I, I think so, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the first big thing that, um, Sweetie notices is that there's people going downstairs. Yeah, not just one. To the basement. <laughs> it's a whole group of people. Um, now, let me get my handy-dandy notebook out. Because I can't remember exactly who all went. Uh, Tenko went, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kyoto. Eesh. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter too much who, who went downstairs. We'll cover that during the class trial. Yeah. Uh, when we'll recover people's alibis. So don't worry about that. Just uh, move on. Okay. Well, a group of people went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Suichi decides, okay, I gotta go check and see what the hell's going on with them. So he goes down uh, and leaves uh, Kaede in the classroom. Uh, he comes back a few minutes later and is like, okay, they just went all went to the game room, which is opposite of the library. And he said, I don't know what they're doing, but whatever. Um, but then um, the uh, a few, I guess it was a couple of minutes later, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. um, the alarm goes off. That uh, switch has been holding, saying that oh, the motion sensor on the door has activated. So he rushes down, um, followed by Kaede. Probably she she was just grabbing her stuff. Um, when they go downstairs, they then run into two of the people who were with the group that went down. Uh, I think it was astronaut and Aikido master. Uh, Kaito and Tenko, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they go in through the entrance to the library. As they're opening the door, uh, Kaede sees the, uh, the hidden door, the bookcase closing. I'm like, oh shit, somebody went inside. So we run over to the door, and then we turn, and there's a dead body laying there next to the bookcase. And it is none other than the ultimate we don't know. <laughs> yeah, ultimate uh, we don't know, Rentaro Amani. Rentaro Amani, yeah. yeah, is dead, laying there with a um, 
a bloody shot putt laying next to him. Yeah. Since there are four people who saw his dead body, the death announcement or the body discovery announcement is played. And so begins the investigation of who killed Rantara. The what I like to do with the investigation is that we can cover a lot of what happens happened in the investigation during the class trial. Yeah. So we can just basically go skip towards the class trial and then we'll cover what we investigated and what the evidences were at that point. Okay. Okay. So we go straight into the trial after the investigation, talking to people, checking their alibis, checking for evidence and such. And uh, the first point is basically like, well, you know, someone got killed and, you know, that person was uh, was trying to open some kind of hidden door. Then that that person must be the mastermind. Right. Exactly. But uh, when we actually looked through Rantero's belongings, he didn't have the card key required to open the door at all. And the fact that the killing games and now that they're actually in the class trials themselves right now. It's completely evident that he was actually not the mastermind. Yeah, the fact that it didn't end immediately. Yeah, because yeah, uh, of body discovery and all that jazz. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but he's not the mastermind, and the killing you know, killing games must continue. And at this point, Kokichi's like, yeah, yeah you, guys, you, guys are, you guys are, you know, silly. You know, I, I know who the killer is. Don't even worry about it. I know who it is. It's, it's Mew. It's, it's the ultimate inventor. Because how come... You know, you know, Shuichi and Kaede came up to them to ask, ask, ask them to use this as a camera, and then she never asked, you know, them what the thing was used for, right? Is that's very suspicious? Yeah. But it turns out that she was actually in the dining hall, and she has uh, like a perfect alibi. She was there the whole time yeah. when the you know when he was actually killed, because we're actually going by some pieces of evidence. Obviously, the the cameras that we installed there took some pictures, and although none of them include uh, the perpetrator, we see moments like uh, we see the moment right before um, uh, Rantaro was actually killed. We see the the moments where people are coming in through the front door, making sure that there's no no one coming in from the uh, third door. So we decided to basically check the alibi of every individual. Yeah, so, my, my theory at this part was definitely wrong, and I had the same feeling I did in the last game, mm-hmm. which was, how on earth are we going to the class trial? I don't have any idea who it is. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't feel like we should be having a trial now. I don't have any evidence built up. Don't you feel a sense of dread when that ding dong bing bong yeah. comes in, and you're like, but I don't know yet. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so unprepared. I'm like, well, yeah. shit, I guess we're going forward, but... That, that's you can exactly tell me where anybody. the game wants it to be. I've got sure. no evidence. I've got no theory. It's, it's I've, interesting. I've, I've played this this series long enough to know that when a class trial starts, people usually blame the main character first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. then you got to disprove that, and then you move into okay. Well, then who really did it? <laughs> yeah, there's there's like multiple layers, and there's like a a pattern to this to some degree. Yeah, and, I did uh, definitely have a theory at this point though that did not pan out. Okay, we can discuss it after the after the class trial is done. We and we have the actual culprit because I'm going to be no, curious I, I, about. I just mean for the trial, not like a, a broad theory. Oh, okay. Um, like, for for okay. this murder. Okay, what what did you feel like at this point? What I thought was that, and I thought it was strange that this never came up in the trial. Was mm-hmm. there there must be a room on the other side of that door, right? right. They keep saying there's only two entrances into the into the library. Mm-hmm. I said, well, no, there's clear, very clearly a third entrance. There's a hidden door. 
So I don't know. I was thinking that Rontaro went up to the door or saw it move because somebody was coming through it from the other direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that they killed him and then went back in. Th- that's that's what I was thinking too. Okay. That, but that but that never even came up. Nobody even said, "Hey, what's on the other side of the door?" I don't think anybody even mentioned it. It's like, yeah, there's a door there, but nobody said, "Does it go anywhere?" Yeah, where's it go? So I, I thought that was really strange, and I'm like, "All right, this must be it. Somebody, there must be a secret passage leading to whatever that room is, mm-hmm. so that they came into the library, saw Rentaro, killed Rentaro, then went back into that room, and then snuck out to meet up with everybody else before coming into the library." That was my my murder theory, which okay. obviously wasn't right. But. but but the thing about it is like we have to base our theories on the evidence that we have currently, right? And the only evidence that we have correlates that there is only one entrance into this doorway. Because we haven't found any secret entrance to the doorway uh, to this whatever room is or whatever passage or whatever it could be, right? So well, because of but, that – go ahead. But it must go somewhere. I mean there's no evidence to – if it if the door opens one way, my guess would be it opens the other way. But at the same time, there's no guarantee that it could just be a singular room, right? Because how many hidden rooms do you have, like multiple entrances to, in particular? Especially when you're gonna have a car key reader, you know, hidden in some place. But I think I understand uh, your concern about uh, like, oh, they didn't better mention it. I think it was due to the fact that they didn't have evidence of it of it being any other possible way of getting in and yeah, to so be a for me, it, was, it was tied to the fact that you get that one really good picture of rentaro close to a camera mm-hmm. and while the door is open and it's blocked mm. true true very true so you can't see who might be coming through that door at that time behind him so i was like all right well clearly that was set up in just a way that somebody's sneaking up behind him while that picture's being taken yeah but that would so, also that would also factor into a lot of the other pieces of evidence that we that we need to touch on for. But the very interesting. Uh, so you never even considered the idea of, of the you know the real method at this point. Uh, no, I was oh, fixated God, no. on that door. <laughs> I said yeah. yeah. No, I never yeah. thought what actually happened would would never cross my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was pretty crazy. If anything, but, I was thinking he killed himself. Yeah, me too. Really, yeah. interesting. What for? What? What purpose? Well, he said that he was going to end this game. That's if you true. remember correctly, he, he, he did say that. Yeah, he said yep. that he was going to end this game on his own, kind of thing. And maybe he had the bright idea of, you know, what short circuiting it somehow. Like, yeah. you, if if you can't, you can't tell. You can't find the culprit if the culprit's dead. And somehow, like, yeah, I thought maybe he would short circuit that. And well, you know, we found a loophole. But the thing about it is that we've had cases before where People obviously a person, t- yeah, person took their own life. And in the case, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to talk about it. For the case in, in Danganronpa 1, Sakura killed herself and she left her confession in front of her for everyone to know to have this case done and over with instantaneously. It was the, you know, the intervention of Monokuna and obviously, um, uh, uh, Aoi, you know, uh, to kind of interfere with what what was really supposed to be a clear and cut case. Yeah. So I think it feels like if Rontaro were to have killed himself to save everyone, he would have uh, left some kind of uh, a message behind or something like that to let them know. Uh, and also, 
a shot put to the head doesn't seem like something that I would use as a suicide. Yeah, it'd be tough to do that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be very difficult. I mean, there's there's other ways that w- that would be simpler. That'd be cleaner, I think. That's why um, my eighth theory was the culprit sneaking through the door. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I I like your theory. I I think I think it uh, I think it has, it has a lot of good ideas, and I know what direction you're pulling for. But what I'm saying is that like the way the in the conventions of the game, you also have to remember that this is the first case, guys. This is the very first case, so they can't overload the player with too much information or too much evidence to the point where they can't think themselves way out of it, right? Yeah. So they have to keep like lines clear and cut to the point where things are possible and things are not. And based yeah. on the evidence presented there, that you, you have to kind of work with. Um, so uh, moving on, so at that point, we say, like, well, Mew has an alibi then. So let's check out where everyone else's alibi is, right? Yeah. So you have the people that were sitting at the diner, you know, including um, Kirumi, the maid, uh, the ultimate uh, anthropologist, and some other people. But he mentions that actually Sumugi left, and then she went to the bathroom, you know? Yep. uh, For a moment. And then it's like, well, you know, she's the ultimate cosplayer. Maybe she, you know, disguised herself as one of the people going downstairs. And then she was able to, uh, you know, sneak to the library that way. But it turns out, like, Kaede actually questioned this you know, very same theory before. And she t- she was brought by Sumugi to the bathroom where they actually changed clothes. And it turns out that she has a condition called uh, cos- Cospox, is yeah. what she yeah. called it, right? Yeah, yeah Cospox. Where she, the the very thought, the very idea of cosplaying as some, uh, some a real person disgusts her so much that it breaks her out into these, like, red hives. It's very noticeable. And it seems like she wouldn't be able to uh, uh, as cosplay as any regular human being. So it kind of it throws her uh, out of the question as far as alibis go. Um, and at that point, we talk, to, talk about the people that were downstairs, right? The people that were in the gaming room. Yeah. And everyone says, like, well, yeah, we were in the gaming room. We were discussing our strategy to fight Monokuma when the time was over. But it turned out Gunta actually locked himself in the AV room, which is connected to the to the, the game room. And he claims that he was uh, psyching himself out by watching a documentary about bugs and insects. Yep. And that that is supposed to give him a lot of fighting spirit. And he says it in you know no uh, no complicated terms that this is something that he kind of does. And he wants to compl- he wants to concentrate. That's why he locked the door. But that also makes him very suspicious because the AV room has a door, a side door. That is directly, you know, directly adjacent, or not adjacent, but across the side door of the library. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after examining the door, we find out that the door is actually stuck. And even if Gunta had used his, uh, you know, tremendous physical uh, force to open the door, it would have shown in the door, you know, where, where all the dust have lain down. And uh, because of that, uh, you know, he couldn't have been the murderer. But at the same time, if he were to have taken the shot put and thrown it across the room through the gap in the two doors, you know, using like the projection screen as kind of like a baseball bat to kind of slightly you know, open the other door, that would that could have been possible. But it turns out, right before Rantaro was killed, the the door to the hidden hidden uh, you know doorway was actually open, making it so that it would have been impossible. There was no angle. For uh, Gunta to have actually shot, yeah, it would have uh, you know, blocked it. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it would have blocked it. So it was have been impossible. So at this point, we're kind of at a loss. Uh, do you know? Do you remember where it goes from here? Uh, yeah, um, Kaede 
basically starts thinking it's got to be Suichi then. No, no, no. Kai, Kai never, never thoughts. Everyone else starts thinking about it. Well, yeah, because... but, but then she she has the thought too. But then she's like, "No, I've got to disprove that." Yeah, no, he starts she... to go real silent. Yeah. So she does comment. That he's acting a little suspicious. Yeah, he, think... he's he's acting he's acting strange, suspicious. But he she never says that he, yeah. he might be the culprit. She says everyone never... else is going to think that he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says that implicitly, and that's very important too. My bad. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's fine, it's fine, because there's a lot of things that happen, even on the very first case. And the reason why Shuichi is brought into question is because Mew mentions what we just heard from Drew before, that the, there's an interval on the camera, right? There's a 30-second interval where when, once a photo is taken, that it takes 30 seconds for the film to wound up so they could take another photo. So if the culprit had, you know knowledge of that information, then they could have used that 30 seconds to go inside the room, commit the murder, and go out within time. And who uh, had that information? Two people. Yeah, only Mew and Shuichi. And when Kaede asked Shuichi, oh, you know, how come you didn't tell me about this 30-second interval? He says that he forgot. Yeah. Which is a yeah. terrible, terrible excuse. Likely fucking story. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's like the easiest possible lie you can you can, you can tell. So everyone starts looking at Shuichi is like, oh man, maybe, maybe he's the only person that could have done it because if Mew has a rock solid alibi, you know, and uh, she could have done it, and the only other person that knew about the camera interval to have taken advantage of it was Shuichi, then it must have been him. But at this point, Kaede is saying like, well, I know for sure that Shuichi isn't the culprit. It, it sounds like she really believes in Shuichi, you know, because they. They, it feels like they definitely made a connection with each other during the last past few days, helping each other out, like believing in each other, uh, and also like that, like that little touching little moment that they had in the room while they were sticking out together, holding hands. <laughs> yeah, holding hands, like when they were really nervous about what might happen in the future, uh, just kind of being there for each other. Uh, it feels like they definitely did have a genuine bond building. Yep. And because of that, you know, Akaya uh, says like, well. If I can't convince them with the truth, then I'll have to convince them with a lie. Yeah. And this is actually pretty unprecedented because this is the first time in Danganronpa history where you can actually use a lie in order to reboot, uh, reboot, uh, kind of like lead to the truth in some ways. So she says, oh, actually, Shuichi didn't have the security sensor on him. And so he couldn't have, you know, like manipulated that in order to trick me into going downstairs with him uh, and then kind of make it look like he has an, he has an alibi. Uh, it, it was actually me that had it, kind of throwing their entire theory about Shuichi, like manipulating the security sensors to make it look like you know uh, the murder took place later than it actually did. Uh, so that that became impossible. So everyone's like everyone's kind of split, torn uh, torn apart. And uh, what did you guys think of this? Think about this little gameplay mechanic that happened uh, when the people are completely split. Well, um, I had seen it before in the demo. All right, right, right. Uh, but, which obviously has nothing to do with this case at, at all. But um, I was thinking, man, we've already got a lot of mechanics. <laughs> or, yeah. or we really want to throw lying in there. <laughs> but um, it, it, it seems like it's going to come up multiple times because you've got, you know, 12 angry men all pointing <laughs> fingers at one guy. And you're like, I know it's not him, so I've, I've got to... I've got to make up something to to take the focus off of him. Uh, I will say that there are occasions where 
you basically have to use a line, which is basically like, yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you can't progress. And there are other times when line becomes an alternative. And those are much harder to find. Hmm. And once you start like thinking in that logic, a whole other world of opportunities open up. And it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, because one of the things about the Danganronpa to me and some other people I know is that they felt like maybe the game design was a little too obtuse, right? Like you have to use this against this and that's the only answer. When something else similar could have been used, you know, in, in the same kind of context. Yeah, I have but, a little bit of problem with that in the second game. Yeah, we, we all yes. did. We've all had it at one time or another. I'm like, that mm-hmm. works too. Why, why can't we hit that, you know? Yep. So I think maybe to an answer to that, you can shift your thinking differently and twist it around, make it into a lie that becomes the truth in a lot of ways. And I thought, I thought they had mechanic in particular outside of all the new mechanics that came out it was good. And it actually does add something to the game and possibly ties into the theme, which we'll go into later on. It, it um, makes a bit of sense. You know, it just has a progression of the game mechanics as well. It does. It does. You know, because, if you've got truth bullets at some point, you know, having lies in there to further your case just seems like a natural progression yeah yeah it, it makes sense for sure and i'm glad they did it because i think it makes the the class trials a little bit more interesting on the on where and how you can approach certain situations so i i can appreciate that certainly as a veteran of the series uh, so at this point, Kaede starts acting very strangely. You know, she has kind of proven that yeah, she hates she she is actually not the culprit. But they're they're placing the point where they're they're not going anywhere with this case, right? Yeah. Nobody knows who the perpetrator is, and she she's been very 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 quiet. He's not oh, he hasn't been through, defending himself through most of the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, go ahead. Well, um. It's weird because, yeah, the, it totally changes too, uh, as far as because um, you get the intermission because it like they they all start blaming Suichi and then mm-hmm. the class trial kind of stops. You get a safe point kind of thing, and then after that, it kind of all shifts. Kaede starts acting strange, like even in her inner thoughts, because mm-hmm. she says Suichi starts acting strange. Yeah, Suichi Su- acts strange. And that makes Kaede come to a realization. And she asks Suichi, you know who did this, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I think I do. And (laughs) how do I, how do I, how do I go about this? (laughs) We've been bouncing around the spoiler here. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, they have a, a bit of like inner dialogue where they're kind of speaking to each other, but not really kind of deal, you know? Yeah. It feels like they understand what each other is thinking without yeah. saying anything, right? So they like have like contact, body language. Yeah, yeah, precisely. And she looks at Shiichi and she, she, you know, she's feeling like she, he, he knows exactly what it is, and because he realized the truth, is because is why he's been so quiet, because yeah. because of what the truth implies and what it means. And She's basically saying, do it. You know, yeah, you, you, have you need to, do to take it. the step forward and do this. Yeah. This is the only way to move forward, not just for the rest of the rest of the class, but for herself as well. And I think the scene, I think, was very beautiful with the where the actual UI of the of the character models and everything like like there's like this lighting on the side where it shows the the character model on the side, and it's it's lit up with like neon signs, and it starts turning off. When Kaede is speaking, and she's saying, 
I have to, you know, I, you're the only one that can push this forward. You're the only one that I can trust to carry on my wish. And as she's saying that, Shuichi kind of takes up what she was saying and like and kind of interprets it in his way. And the 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 character focus actually changes from Kaede to Shuichi entirely. Yeah. And at that point, you're you're controlling Shuichi. And um, the reason for that is because Shuichi understands that Kaede was actually the perpetrator uh, all along. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about how we prove it? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's just go into it because this, uh, this, this, the the method of the murder I thought was very elaborate. Yeah. But in a way that I think none of us saw coming. You guys didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Right. Mm-mm. No. And I think it was clever because. If you're playing as the character that is also the villain slash perpetrator in in a murder mystery situation, that is a very difficult line to cross. And there are multiple reasons for that. A, because you're supposed to have agency on the character. And when your character does something that you're not aware of, you feel cheated in a lot of ways. That, I, I, I'm going to mention that because okay. I feel like this is slightly a cop-out. Okay, but the thing about it is it's like, dude, play through the first chapter again i felt that way i felt a slight hint of that and once i went back and actually played through the first chapter once more they give you every single every single hint in the world i trust me i know it, it is ridiculous I, every I, single I, little detail that yeah, they actually i, I remember it I, I distinctly remember it because like when we go to get the cameras i'm sitting here waiting on uh, suichi to sh- come back so i just start clicking on stuff guess what i clicked mm-hmm. on I clicked on the fucking shot button. Right. And you know what you know what the the thing says when you're leaving the room? Kaede puts everything she was holding into her bag. Yeah. She never puts down the shot putt at all. She she just puts it in the bag with, along with everything else. Along with when she was stacking the books up uh, with the ladder, she made it sound like she was kind of, you know, being like klutzy and stuff like that, pushing the vent backwards, stacking the room uh, stacking the book, pretending like she was gonna set up a camera up there, but all along she had she had this plan, she had this idea that she wanted to carry through. Yeah. Um. So let's just go straight into it, um, because we're you know kind of going ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Uh. So basically, what happened is that Kaede, even though she never had the opportunity to actually go to the library herself, used a mechanism that she designed herself, where she put a shot putt ball from the from the second floor uh, classroom into the vent. And it carried the ball straight down towards where the library is. And what happened is that uh, she had set up the cameras in such a way where the camera right above, I mean, right under where the vent, uh, you know, the her like kind of like this rail of books that she stacked would guide the shot putt ball. And right under that, the camera would flash and it flashed twice to kind of lure the mastermind, the person who is opening the bookcase and trying to go into that secret room. And then that person would be lured to where the, the flashing camera is. And at that moment, the shot putt ball kind of came down and, uh, you know, will, will kill the mastermind. But it was just unfortunate that it wasn't the mastermind that was trying to, you know, get into the room or maybe trying to investigate the area. It, it happened to be Rontaro. And that's why he was killed instead. Yeah. And that was the, the me- mechanism that she used. And she, all, she mentioned that if I had to go into every single detail about all the hints that they put... It would be like a list of over a dozen things that they, they show. So it's just pretty crazy. There's a couple of things that we, we forgot to mention. The first one being that when we we discovered the body, uh, Monokuma shows up and says, okay, 
whoever killed him, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. You're free to go. Right. And and nobody raised their hand. He says, "Okay, right. fine. You guys want to do a class trial? We'll do a class trial." And that's that's where it popped up at. Um, she didn't raise her hand because obviously she realized, "Oh shit, I killed an innocent person." And yeah. she, she, I guess she couldn't live with herself like that. So she's, you know, it's a it's a multitude of reasons. She says herself that like a, um, yeah, what you said is true. And B, she wanted to also use the class trial as a method to try to oust the uh, the mastermind as well. Trying to, in, while investigating and trying to find the alibi of all the people, maybe she could have gotten closer to the truth. Maybe she could have, you know, checked the alibis or checked the, the motives of all these individuals and gotten closer to the mastermind. But ultimately, even though she tried, you know, she tried very, very hard to, to get to the, get to the kind of, Manipulate the the mastermind from coming through because let's say if the mastermind was one of them, right? And Shuichi became the blackened, the mastermind would obviously know that it wasn't uh, it wasn't Shuichi, and that would mean that if they were the mastermind was one of the students, then they they themselves would get killed along with everyone else. But even faced with that fact, the mastermind didn't come through. Ultimately, Kaide had to step in, tell that lie. And then kind of bring everyone back to the, you know, the, the real truth. So she tried a lot of different things and it, it just didn't work. And so she essentially proved Shuichi's theory wrong. Quote unquote proved. Yeah, you could interpret it that way. But there's obviously a lot of unknown variables too. Yep. But that's how she interprets it is yeah. like, like what you said. I had a plan. The fact that the mastermind didn't come forward means he's not one of us. To which Shuichi says, oh, I already have this problem in the past where my detective skills may not have been used for correctness, for, you know, you know, for the best outcome. And now I, you know, we set this whole up, whole thing up thinking that the mastermind was one of us and it turns out it wasn't. And now two people are going to die because I made a wrong assumption. Yeah, obviously, it's very, yeah. yeah, That's a crushing realization. Yeah, it sort of feeds into his his inferiority complex and his his indecisiveness about his own ability. It does, it does. Uh, Well, that's that's, that's a matter for the next chapter and on to figure out. uh, But uh, also, she wanted to, one of the other reasons that she made this really elaborate device to try to take down the mastermind is because she wanted to conceal the murder. Because let's say if she did kill the mastermind, and they were able to go free, they would always know Kaede as the murderer yeah. forever if she just did it, right? And she didn't want that. She didn't want people to think that she was, you know, this this, this person that was capable of murdering, which is very understandable. You know, she wanted to be friends with everyone. She honestly believed that everyone else could go out, all go out together. And the reason why she resorted to such a, such a thing is because obviously the time limit, you know, it is everyone was gonna die. If someone, someone, something didn't happen, so she felt she felt pushed and forced. And also, if they did decide to, you know, if they did find out who the uh, who the perpetrator and the mastermind was using the pictures that they had set up as traps, what does that really accomplish? That person could just deny the fact of being a mastermind, just buy themselves more time, and then when the when the time limit was up, then it would be all over for them. So she felt like she was driven to a corner where. This was the only possible solution for them all to survive, yep. maybe. And she she took it. 
And uh, it wasn't something that she, she, you know, she thought of right away. It was around the time when they were at the library setting up the cameras, and she saw the stack of books and the vents upstairs, and she came up with this uh, plan. But um, yeah, it's just it's just very very sad because we all know that Kaede is a very good person. Yeah. You know, she acts very yeah. altruistically, and the thing is, if she wasn't, all she had to do was raise her hand, and she would have been free. You know, and that wouldn't have really harmed anyone else, right? I mean, he's already dead. You might as well take the freebie. A lot of people would believe that. A lot of people would feel that way. But she, to the very end, even though it, you know, obviously cost her her life, you know, she wanted to be there. She wanted to help. She wasn't taking a way out without everyone else, too. Yeah. And um, she carries the torch, and then she gives it to Shuichi and say, this is my wish. My wish is that you and everyone gets out there together. And I want you to do that because I believe in you. And that's kind of like the last thing that she lives. Uh, she leaves uh, Shuichi before the the very, very disturbing execution happens. Yeah. You want to describe that execution, Drew? Sure. So uh, <laughs> Monokuma wraps a noose around her neck, and he pulls her way up into the air, all the while she's choking. Uh, and then he brings up this gigantic piano, and he is using her body. To play the piano. While she's suffocating and choking all the while. Yeah. And um, after a while, uh, we notice that the uh, the piano, like the key case that covers the, the keys is full of spikes. It then slams down on her body. Yeah. And after she stopped like struggling and everything. Either yeah. she's unconscious or already dead. But either way, it's a gruesome way to go. And before that happens, a weird thing happens where... One of the mono one of the mono cubs called mono mono dam actually pushes one of the mono cubs called mono kid into the piano where Kaede was about to get get killed and then it slams down killing the mono cub at the same time. Yeah, that was weird, right? Yeah. yeah. What What did you guys think of that? How do you interpret that? This, this is going to come up later. Yeah. Something a something is up with that mono dam. Because mm-hmm, he, he's very quiet. He never talks. To the other, he yeah. rarely talks. And um, I have a feeling Monodan is going to kill all of his uh, brothers and sisters <laughs> okay. uh, after every execution. <laughs> okay, I mean, there certainly are you know enough enough brothers and sisters to kill, right? In fact, because Monodan doesn't speak, I think Monodan may turn out to be a good guy. Really? Yeah. Interesting theory. I like it. What do you What do you feel about this, Matt? Uh, I just thought that they were going to, at some point, delve into the you know the elaborate family issues that the Mono Cubs have, uh, and turn that into a bit of a, a drama, its own drama. Okay. Mm. I like how Drew always always goes for the big shots. You know, he's oh, always yeah. that guy who goes for the hail mary. Yeah, <laughs> always making the biggest predictions possible, and Matt much more reserved, much more logical. Uh, you know, making making measured risks when it comes to uh, you know making predictions. This is, this, you guys are polar opposites when it comes to that. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we want to talk about our theories? Um, yeah, let's go straight into that first, and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions, which I'll make a note of, and then we'll revisit revisit them as we go on. All right, Matt, I want, I want to hear your theory first. Uh, I would summarize my theory up in two words, which is wayward pines. Elaborate, please. Uh, 
it's been a while since I read it and saw it, but essentially Wayward Pines, you've got a bit of a mystery, small town mystery, and some strange things start happening, and then it turned, well, I don't know if I should spoil it. Well, I guess I'm going to anyway because I'm you, tying it. <laughs> you, you you compared uh, Danganronpa two to this as well, so you've already spoiled it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Keep going. I th- I think it's more in more like that where this is sort of I don't know. I guess post-apocalypse in that there's some uh, this this whole event, this whole school is. An experiment where not necessarily trying to reseed ultimates or anything, not necessarily mm-hmm. any kind of genetic manipulation, but the thought that this is like a, a new a, a new start, and you, these are the seeds, and they're trying to start something over after everybody's been wiped out, after everything's been destroyed. This is mm. like one little oasis in the middle of nowhere. Okay, very interesting. And to me, uh, that's that's why there's no bugs because nothing else mm. exists on the world. Right. So you uh, you saw that as well when Gunta, obviously being the uh, uh, you know the 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 person that loves bugs and insects, he was obviously looking for bugs on uh, uh, where they were living, and he couldn't find a single one. Right. Yeah. That is that is very odd. That is an observation to make for sure. And the okay. fact that you can't really see anything outside. There's there's the giant dome essentially covering everything you don't know Mm -hmm. if there's anything on the outside of the dome uh it's funny i didn't really actually like wayward pines all that much i thought it was okay but uh now every time i play these games i'm like this is all i can think this is what i think they are maybe maybe you know sometimes even though you don't like something they leave a really strong strong impression on you anyway yeah yeah because it's like a big it's a big twist as far as twists go it's not the most original twist but it's a big twist Okay, very interesting. Even even bigger because they set it off as a totally different genre. It's not set up. It's not like if you walk into an M Night movie and you know there's going to be a twist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess, I guess I feel like in Danganronpa, there I am expecting a twist, which is different. But it, I think that's why Wayward Pines left a mark is because they set it up as a, even a totally different style of story. And it turned into just hanging on this epic twist and dystopian future, I guess. But that's not really what it's about. So I I don't know. I I still feel like it's some sort of oasis, non-digital. I I thought there were enough hints in Danganronpa 2 that it was sort of a digital recreation. Right. Whereas I don't think that's what this is. I think it's a real reading ground or test ground. Okay. Very interesting, man. Thank you. What about you, Drew? I know you've been dying for it. <laughs> I, well, um, this isn't real. Okay. This 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 school this this whole thing isn't real. I think it's a simulation of some some kind. Um, so, are, are you in the mind of a digital simulation or like a real life simulation, kind of like what the what Matt was talking about? Uh, like, I, th- I I th- I think this is a digital thing. Okay. I think that hint that we saw of Kaede with the mm. the the thing on her head, I think they're oh, all yeah. I think they're all kind of sitting next to each other in this virtual reality world. Interesting. Um but my big theory is is that I think they're creating ultimates. Okay? I think that 
every single person in this killing game right now is a regular person. Mm-hmm. They started out as a regular person, um, and they are basically installing memories and ultimate abilities into these people. Um, is this an evil group of people trying to create soldiers or ultimate beings? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I feel like the very beginning of this game was the truth. It was basically, we're all just regular people. We've been right. kidnapped, and now they're installing crap into our minds. Basically, Dollhouse, if you remember that show. You've yep. mentioned it many times, but I've never, I've never seen it. Yeah. I, I feel like it, they're basically doing that. I think that they're they are turning people into ultimates, and they're not actually ultimates. In fact, maybe these are some... It kind of like how uh, what they did with um, what's his name, Hajime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know he was a reserve student who who didn't have an ultimate. He was just a regular kid who they installed a bunch of crap into his mind and gave him false memories, and now he's the ultimate ultimate. You know, and right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's sort of what I meant when I said that you know the genetic part of it. Maybe, maybe it would just yeah. I I I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, well, I think there's a lot of evidence already, especially with that scene at the very beginning when they're all wearing plain clothes and stuff like that. That really co- collaborates uh, your uh, your theory about them being like regular students, right? Yeah. So I think I think that's very interesting. Okay, well, so we'll revisit those theories as, as we continue and you guys get more information. And you're free to change your theories as you go, but you're only <laughs> allowed one theory at a time, meaning you have to override your old theory. That theory is no longer valid. <laughs> And you get to keep your new one. That's how we're going to do it, and we're going to go all the way to the end and see how things play out. Oh, so the other thing, I do think that this is connected to the the, the previous games. Okay. Uh, what about you, Matt? Do you think this is connected to the previous game? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, in, in nine ways out of ten, it's already connected to the previous games. Right, but I'm talking about from like a like a con- continuum point of view, will, not from like. Will a we see you know? Makoto or Hajime again? Yeah, okay, that's actually a good question. Will you see the previous characters from Danganronpa 1 or 2 or the anime or whatever uh, in this game? Yeah, I would lean towards yes. Okay, what about you, Joe? Absolutely. Okay, I have that written down as well, so good to know. Okay, so I have some questions for you guys, and you know, this is our our favorite segment where we get to go and see who's going to live to the end of the game. You guys get to pick three characters. Oh, man. <laughs> so who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, Drew. Let me take a look at my shit here. All right. Uh, Three characters that are going to survive all the way to the end of the game. I really I really hope that they don't pull the same crap again like they did with this first case. Where either A, uh, Suichi turns out to be an, another killer that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. Or Suichi dies, and then we take over as another person. I really hope they don't do that. And? What? So <laughs> you're, you're picking him as one of the survivors, is what you're saying? I will say Suichi is a survivor, yes. Okay, that's one. You have two more, sir. Uh, Kibo? Kibo? Kibo, sure. are, are, you, want, you want me to go Hail Mary? Oh, no, 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 no. I want you to explain... I think Shuichi, I can understand because you don't want them to do reuse the same technique that they used in the first case. Yeah, I can understand that, and it seems unlikely that they would, right? 
Because this is Kodaka we're talking about. He's not going to be too redundant yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. So I, I can understand your logic. Why do you think Kibo will survive? Well, this is my Hail Mary. Okay. I feel like Kibo is actually... I'm looking at his picture. Mm-hmm. Kibo has some kind of connection to Makoto. Mm. I feel like Kibo has something to do with Makoto. I don't know why he looks like Makoto. Okay. And your last selection, please. Um, I'm looking through my list here. Kirumi. Kirumi, the ultimate maid herself. Yeah. And why do you think she will survive? I think she's the smartest one out of all of them. Very possible, sure. She's going to become... She's basically... I have a feeling she's going to be the detective... Of the this group outside of yourself, right? Outside outside of Suichi, yes. Isn't okay. that an interesting dynamic? We've always had this detective help us out in the past, but now we're actually the detective themselves. It, it's it it feels like what because I don't think that's the thing is like there's there's multiple people in this story who say I'm the ultimate this. Well, I'm a trainee, or I'm kinda one. Like, I'm not really an astronaut. I just, like, passed the test to be one. Or, I'm not really a detective. I just solved this one case this one time. Well, he's the youngest in all of history to pass the test with, yeah. like, flying colors. So that's pretty exceptional, for sure. I just I just feel like that there's multiple people in this, this killing game that are mm-hmm. ultimates, but not really. Or, okay. or we don't see it that much. Like, I'm the ultimate magician. Well, you, I mean, you can pick a card, sure. But then you claim that you're an ultimate mage. Um, right. We haven't seen anybody display their shit. Except for the ultimate maid. Okay. Very interesting. That also feeds into your theory as well. That the, these, the whole, these people know, are... The creating ultimates, right? The regular people, They haven't actually. got it perfect yet. You know, okay. like, oh, I'm an ultimate detective. Well, kind of. We're still working on it. Okay, well, Matt, are you are you ready? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> three three names, man. I need I need three names. I mean, I I would have said Shuichi, but I don't want to pick that since Drew did. No, 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 this is this is all based on your opinion of who you believe to your best ability of prediction will survive to the very end of the game. Whether it's you hoping that they'll survive because you just plainly like them, or from a logic standpoint, you just believe they have the best chance. Either or works. Yeah, it's it's tough because I feel like the people I focused on are the people where I think there's they're going to be a a twist really Maki and Himiko. Those those are really my two where I'm like uh there's, so there's are, more to the story. Are we adding those two to the list then? Um, feel free to look over the list of characters and then yeah, I'm staring at all, each and every one of their faces mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's a survivor, Matt? Who's a survivor? Yeah, and, it's uh, tough to balance who I think might versus who I want to, because the yeah, whole left side of this list I want don't really want to survive. <laughs> Here's the thing. Remember the first game where yeah. a, a, a dumbass, an asshole, and a fucking serial killer survived? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think both of you guys had one of each your of your selections survive. Yeah. Yeah, so... Let's let's see if we can do a little better this time around. But ultimately, you know, there's no there's no winners or losers in this game. This is just something to put a little extra stake 
on the characters' lives, right? So yeah, it's if like, you it's like you can't play poker without putting at least some quarters down. Exactly. Got to exactly. be some skin in the game. That that is basically the premise. And I, if you're listening at home, I recommend you do the same thing. You know, get a get a little notepad, and every time that character dies, cross them out. I'm sorry. Every time they die, you know, and maybe they'll die multiple times. Who knows? Right, so Taro's coming back. Eh, who knows, man? Who knows? I'm not I'm not gonna say anything. So uh, Matt, I, I need names, man. I'm sorry, your time is almost up. Uh, I mean, Shuichi, I think will survive. Okay. For the same reason, I mean, we've already switched protagonist once. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a thing in this game, and he's the next one to die for some other reason, but... We also have to remember that the main character dying in a Danganronpa game is unprecedented until this moment, so... Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, two more names, please? Uh, I think Maki of the two is the one that I would put on the list. Okay. Both because she's unlikable. Mm-hmm. And the way that that juxtaposes with her ultimate ability. Sure, she's very cold for someone that's supposed to be a child caregiver. Yeah, so it's, the, the way I'm thinking of it, she's somewhat balanced in that respect. And if she needs to be ruthless, maybe she can be. If she needs okay. to be compassionate, maybe she can be. So I kind of want her to survive. I don't know if it's a I think she'll survive or I want her to survive. It's somewhere in the middle. Okay. And one more name. Oh, shit. Uh, I love the amount of thought you're putting into this, Matt. Right, right yeah, I, I'm going to go with, uh, shit, Ryuma. Ryuma. Mm. He wants to die. Um, ah, interesting angle. Yeah, he wants to die. I, I don't know exactly what that means. Yeah, we didn't mention that, that he his his plan was kill me. And you can get out of here free. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'll give this to you guys. Yeah. I have nothing else to live for. So it's, it's a bit of sort of that altruism in that sense. A bit of his capability. I mean, we know what he's capable of. We know that if push comes to shove, maybe somebody tries to kill him. He's one of the people who could try to kill them right back. Certainly, yeah, he can. He's very capable of fighting back for sure. Okay, well, I, I'm I'm loving your list so far. We got him down. Um, we'll see who survives next week, and who who dies. Maybe maybe they'll all survive. Maybe they'll all die. It'll be fun. Uh, I want to know, a, do you guys think there is a mastermind among the classmates? And b, if you believe so, who do you think it is? Ooh, God <laughs> damn. <laughs> True. I'm gonna hit you first. Oh boy. All right, Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, let's go. We're gonna, we're gonna go Hail Mary here, since I don't think this is real. Okay. <laughs> Rentaro. Oh, so I... you're saying there is a mastermind, right? Yeah. Or there was a mastermind. There, well, here's the thing. <laughs> okay. We're, we have not seen the end of these people that have died. Oh. Okay. Um, Rontaro has said, I'm going to end this. 
he, he did. Maybe he knows that he was being targeted, or maybe he put himself in that situation to get killed, so that he could then exit the simulation. Mm. Very interesting theory. I like where you're going with that. Um, okay, and but, may, maybe he's not the master. Maybe he's maybe he's the ultimate good guy who's trying to stop this from happening. Okay, I'll make a note of that. That's not the question I asked, but I'll make a note of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you think he's one extreme or the other? Yeah, I don't think he's the mastermind. There is a mastermind. Do I think it's a person in... It, it, they can't just up and say, oh, we got a mastermind we've never seen before. That's annoying as shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point I'd add to that, I think it's interesting that he had the behind-the-scenes knowledge and he he's did. sort of the ultimate question mark. For someone mm-hmm. with that much mystery around them to die so early... Doesn't make a lot of narrative sense. Yeah, to me, that it's. I certainly didn't see it coming when I when I you know when I saw his corpse on the ground. I was like, no way. You know, I was like, no way. They they they're building this character up to be something significant, and then to to think of, of the idea because like when you're uh, when you're you know writing something from a narrative standpoint, if you rob your uh, your list uh, your readers of something that you build up and there's no payoff. That's actually kind of bad writing in a lot of ways, right? Yep. Because if you if you consistently build something up without actually paying anything out, then they'll stop caring about things, even though the things that you're building up towards. So it was a risky move, and I'm kind of liking where Drew's head's at, but the question remains, do you guys think there is a mastermind among the students? We're talking among the 16 students that are, that are present now. There has to be. Okay, so I'm going to put you down for yes and... You don't think Rontaro is the mastermind, but you think he's someone good. Yeah. So I've noted that as well. But I want your, I want I want your prediction on who the mastermind might be of the sixteen. I'm looking at it. Okay. I mean, Matt, do you have the answer right now? Do you want to do you want to go for it? Yes. The answer okay. is no. Oh no! I like it. So you think they're going to introduce a a new person? No, I think that could be the twist. Is that it's one of the people from the previous games. Mm, very interesting very interesting yeah. because we've already seen something unprecedented that never happened before in any other Danke Rumpa game happened already on the very first case yeah. right and if you're going by the anime the, the mastermind of that was somebody who was in the killing game and the that killing and he died and the killing game kept going that's true very true yeah th- this could all be automated <laughs> so so are you saying it's Rontaro still the, being the mastermind, or Maybe. did you change your mind about it about there being a mastermind? What do you think? But you said yes, the the mastermind is among the sixteen, but you never gave me an answer to who you think it is. Um, shit. <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly don't. I, I have I have no fucking clue. Um, you, you like Hail Marys, Drew? I I do like Hail Marys, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Hail Mary. This, okay. And this is completely off the wall, and it's wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Angie is the mastermind. Angie, Ooh. Angie is the did, mastermind did, because did, she is did, trying to do sacrifices to her fucking god. <laughs> did Atua tell you that it was Angie? Because, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I hear Atua's voice sometimes, too, man. It tells yeah. me all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, she, she's doing sacrifices to her god. I don't fucking know. She, she does ask for blood sacrifices. She does ask for blood sacrifices. That is kind of crazy, yeah. She's probably dead the next fucking court case, I know. <laughs> that's the best that's part right we don't know we put a lot of stake just think about how long matt took to give me three names 
out of 16. Dude, and I had to honestly go through. don't know who's dying next. It just goes I had to, to go show through you. about nine people to get those three. I'm like, yeah, it's one of these nine. <laughs> how yeah. do I pick three out of nine even? The, it, that I want to it, but seriously, it goes to show you how fucking good the writing is in this game. You you really can't predict what's going to happen next. Yeah. We've yeah, all it's tried. crazy. I'd say half good, half crazy. It's half yeah. off the wall. But I, I enjoy crazy, so it, it yeah. works for me. But uh, okay, well let's let's just go go from there. Uh, why don't we hit the emails? That's still all the questions I want to ask for now, and then we'll go we'll touch back on the questions that we asked this week, and I'll have a new one for next week as well. Oh boy, interesting. Hopefully, it's I, as crazy as the ones you've already asked. I, I've got it all documented right here, so you know we're gonna we're gonna be coming back. To, no one's gonna be able to change their theories on the fly. You know, we're gonna have to live with the choices that we've made. Jay, I don't, I don't know if I've had quite so much mystery with any game I've ever played before. <laughs> yeah, that's I've never been held, held accountable except for Danganronpa 2 ever in my life while playing a game. I, I hope that added, added to your experience and you had a little bit more fun playing the game thanks to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... I have so many reasons to want to know what happens next. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Because uh, the next two cl- uh, class trials, which we'll be covering for uh, the next uh, episode of Phoenix Down, are pretty long. So you guys are gonna really need to like get on it and start start it. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, we have an email, right? We do. We got one from Jamie. Okay. Our resident fan who loves Danganronpa as well. Uh, she's playing along with us, and the uh, subject of this email is Dangan. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> It's that time again. Let's jump right on in, shall we? In the previous Danganronpas, I don't think I've had a solid theory, but this time I do. Oh, okay. I'll get into that in a bit, but first I'm going to separate this into before the trial and after the trial. Before the trial. So I jotted down a page full of notes about what happened. Uh, and before the trial, I was 90% sure I knew who, who killed Rentaro, but I wasn't sure how. He really reminded me of Nagito, just in the strange behavior and really easygoing yep. personality. Same mm-hmm. for me. I felt the exact yeah, same way. Very true. Let's see here. <clears throat> uh, he also seemed to know more than the rest about what's going on. So I, so when I remembered how Nagito died, he was accidentally murdered, although I considered it suicide. I thought it was reasonable to believe that Renturo either killed himself or set it up for someone else to do it accidentally. The wow. Ev- yeah. The evidence supported it too, since no one else was captured in the pictures. Reasons why later. And that's kind of how I feel too. Like I say, Renturo knew that he was going to die and he set himself up to die to, to get out of this killing game. I don't know. For me, I will say I, we have not seen the last of him. I don't think. I like how close you and Sophie are in the wavelength of your predictions and what you guys are feeling. Not only about your impressions about specific characters, but also about the possibility of like the suicide and the potential, right? Yeah. Like that didn't even cross my mind, but the fact that you guys were thinking the exact same thing that fascinates me. That's amazing. Yeah. Also, this is Jamie, not Sophie. Oh my bad. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, during slash after the trial, when things swung towards Suichi, uh, being the culprit, uh, I was pretty upset. I really didn't want to believe it. He did it. And I was really confused as about why Kaede was so sure that he didn't. I didn't want him to be the culprit, but I couldn't deny that the evidence was stacked against him. 
Once Kaede lied her way out of that, I thought for sure that they would realize that Renturo did himself in, but then the shock. Kaede, I hate unreliable narrators. <laughs> I think it's a cheap trick, and it pisses me off, especially in game format. I understand how it happened, but I f- it feels like the game lied, and how I am how am I supposed to run trials when the game can't even be straight with me? My grand theory... <clears throat> So I think this is another simulation. There is a lot of evidence for it. No bugs, Kaede's flash visions of something on her head, the whole fake escape they tried down the manhole. It's very similar to Danganronpa 2 in terms of the fake world and fake rules. Uh, Rentaro mentions in the very beginning that there is was a super high school level hunt um, uh, previous to them getting kidnapped. Uh, that memory is... Uh, then promptly erased by the Monocubs. And he re- he recognizes Monokuma too. Now my theory about Rontaro killing himself was that he knew that he was in the simulation and if he killed himself to get out, he could then shut it down from the outside. Holy shit, you're reading my fucking mind here, Jamie. <laughs> are you are you actually the same person you've been writing in all along to your own show? You caught, you caught me, you caught me. Gotcha, yep. gotcha man, finally. Remember, he kept saying he was going to end the game, but he didn't say he would win the game. Maybe he was calling a bluff and thought that he might get close to death just for the simulation to be shut down. So what's the simulation? Not sure. Is it a group trying to test the Ultimates to see if they will turn evil like the original ones did? Are they trying to, are they trying to find the worst Ultimates to continue on the ways of despair? I don't know. I have a feeling that Kaede isn't dead, though, and neither is Rintaro. Uh, they are likely either out of the simulation or in hibernation like the students of uh, Danganronpa 2 were. Either way, I do think that the game is connected to the others, simply because <laughs> Rintaro uh, knew what was going on at least a little bit. Also, the game pretty much spells it out for you in the beginning, saying that the story isn't over. The game also mentions that this will go till until there are two remaining students. I'm not sure what that is about, but I think that will play into it as well. Love this game, even if I'm annoyed about the unreliable narrator bit. Until next time, so long and bear well, Jamie. <laughs> P.S. Cospox, really? Yeah, Cospox, really. <laughs> um, well, first of all, let me just say that um, I know you two are playing a prank on us because there's no way that... Two people could have the exact same theory, point by point by point by point, without discussing it with each other. So I, I am just, a, just come clean. Just come I, clean. I am telling time. you right now. Mm-hmm. I did not read this email beforehand. Also, I have not discussed this game with Jamie at all. I, I don't know, man. I might need a transcript of your direct messages or something because <laughs> you guys are way too close to each other. That is wild, though. That is crazy. Maybe we're just ultimate fucking detectives and we figured this game out. Because <laughs> you guys did such a wonderful job of figuring out the other games, right? I, dude, they're all dead. Trust me. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. This is this is amazing. I can't believe it. How? That's. That's nearly unpleasant. I could I, I could understand like similar theories, but not point by point. That's it's crazy. That is, Jeez. that's fucking what I just said. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we just think in the same wavelengths. I don't know, but and Matt is like off over there. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm over here shaking my head. It's not a simulation. <laughs> yeah, he's, 
This is really happening. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, I gotta say, like, I'm loving the theories that you have about your hesitation to, like, name characters who might survive. Like, there's a lot of kind of conflicting emotions, like Matt was saying, because there are some characters we like more than others. I think there are characters that we can all agree that are, like, really cool, you know, that we would love to see survive just because they're a cool character and they seem like good people. And on the other side, we want to say, like, well, they, from a narrative standpoint, if I were writing this game, you know, these people are likely to survive because the character arcs they'll go through. So we're playing this meta game on top of what the game actually is because we're, at this point, uh, kind of veterans of the series. Even though uh, Matt and, I think, uh, Jamie didn't play the first one along with us, right? Jamie watched the anime of the first one. Right, right. So, like, me uh, me, Drew, uh, me, and Drew played all the games, and I actually played the... Ultras of Spare Girls, which is I don't I wouldn't say it's too relevant, but there's a lot of little hints to storytelling elements there. Apparently, a because it's you know, coming. <laughs> yeah, you saw that little uh, Easter egg, huh? Yeah, I doubt it. I I I imagine that's probably put in there for funsies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the way we're going with the theories, uh, the way we're reacting to all these big surprises and such, and knowing what I know of the things to come. Just like waiting for you guys to just react to those uh, is exciting on its own, right? Uh, I kind of wished, you know, in, in my heart of hearts that I could like experience this for the first time with the rest of you. But at the same time, I, I'm just glad that I can make the game a little bit more interesting by asking these hard questions that we can kind of get answers to as we play along. You were a great moderator. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. Thank and you very much. It's, and that's what makes this so fucking fun. Is that, it's a whole different experience. Yeah. Instead of me sitting down just playing this by myself and, and not actually discussing it with anybody, I wouldn't feel the way I do about this series. The reason why I became addicted to this series was because me and you sat down and talked about it with the first game. I made my theories, and we had other people talking along with us, you know, playing mm-hmm. along with us and listening. I fucking enjoyed it. Like, it was, it was, like, I enjoyed the game by itself. But every week we would come and I would go deeper into my fucking theory and, <laughs> and, and experimenting with all these different things and all the different emotions. That's what made this fucking great. And I think that's the best way to fucking do these games. Like, especially, I, th- I yeah, think you're right. Especially like, like these visual novels and stuff because, I mean, yeah, they can get kind of boring at times if you're not careful. And, and especially something that has this, this kind of like com- a complete mystery. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. And and while it's fun in the moment, going back and re re examining it with other people makes it ten times better. Yep. It's, I, it's I almost like you. that watching that first season of Lost where every week you'd come to the water cooler and say, mm, What the yeah. heck is going on here? What what even is real? Yeah. You know, all all of those big questions and just debating what you know, what anything means. Is that is that a metaphor? Is this is this a clue? Like that that type of Almost obsessive dissection of what's happening, I think, is it, it, it really elevates it. That's what I, yeah, that's so good. I think I think that's why I have so much respect for Danganronpa in particular. Uh, obviously, it has a lot of flaws. There's a lot of like silly craziness, goofiness to it that is going to turn off a lot of people. I understand that completely. And when someone tells me that, like, yeah, dude, I don't like that series. That that series is really weird and and stupid. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You get some people are going to have the reaction. But when I think about other games that we could have a conversation like this, where we can be as involved emotionally and like logically, 
I can't think of another series that that would make him feel this way. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, like, yeah, The Witcher Three is a fucking amazing game, but me and you could sit down here and talk about it and be like, oh, that part was really cool and that part was really cool. Yeah, but you couldn't be like, well, who do you think's the fucking killer of this, or who who do you think what's going to yeah. happen next, kind of thing? You can't do that with other games. I mean, I'm sure that there's other mystery games out there that we could do it like that, but Danganronpa, like the pacing and the way things are handled and the twists and the craziness are, and the yeah. craziness is just, it's fucking insane. I mean, it's just, it's so fucking well done. The person who created this series, what else have they done? Uh, he's done a couple of other things too, but I think this is kind of the game that he's known for, right? Rightfully so, because it has gotten so notoriety you know, over the, not just in Japan, but also kind of in the U.S. as well over the years. Ever since those games have started coming out on the platforms like uh, the PC and the PS4 and all that stuff, more people are becoming introduced and with the anime. So it feels like it's finally starting to get its rifle audience that I, I think when I was playing this with a fan translation, in, on, a, on a PSP, you know, nobody knew about this game. I played the first game. I had nobody to talk to about about that game, and it was, it was kind of sad because you know there's a lot of th- you know a lot of stuff I would want to discuss. So coming together with you guys like this and just talking about it is just making me appreciate the game even more than I already do, uh, and also just kind of um, help along like uh, just a couple of like you know friends to kind of make it make something that help them enjoy something that I've enjoyed in the in the past even more. Yeah, that's that's just like a blissful feeling to me. So I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, but uh, thank you, Jamie, for that email. Uh, anybody thank else? Any, anybody else out there who wants to send an email? It's Drew at ztgd.com. If anybody else is playing along, please send in an email. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Give me your theories, everything like that. Everything. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and Jay is at Batusai J. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it for us. Yep. Uh, yeah. um, next week, we'll be covering chapter two and three, two class trials in one, uh, because, you know, we won't have to deal with the introductions again, so we should be able to fit two in. Uh, that's generally the schedule that we want to go with. We want to cover two, three next week. We want to cover four, five the other week, and uh, the final week will be the final class trial, along with closing thoughts and you know commentary and all that stuff. So we have we have our plan ahead of us. So if you want to play along, uh, just keep in mind that's the schedule that we're going to be following. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, we'll be back next week. But until then, I am Drew, and I'm Matt. I'm Jay. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week, and we'll be back next week with the continuation of Danganronpa V3, Killing Harmony. Peace.